What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the Drunken Thanksgiving episode, part two. This is where we get into the Wednesday Night Wars, and uh, we're, we're, out, we're actually sober for this one. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the man joining me at this time. He is the AEW correspondent, talented singer-songwriter, works during the day as a groundsman, great friend of mine, great mind for wrestling. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back the one, the only... Mr. Desmond Dagenhart. Wait, you're sober? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There might have been something in that egg, in that, in that egg, in that egg sandwich, but I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> 
Not not enough hash butter, okay. Yeah, not enough. Not quite enough. <laughs> These are not hash brownies. Put your clothes back on, white boy. <laughs> Still part of my favorite scene in Euro Trip. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we are here for the recap of AEW, and we are kicking things off. We have our first official match of the evening, Hangman Adam Page versus John Silver. Now, I don't know about you, but I completely missed the uh, prep to this match. Did, how did they set this up? <laughs> okay. Um, this is one of those things where, and, and Elvis has mentioned this before, there's a show on, their, on a, YouTube, there's a YouTube channel called Being the Elite. Right. Which is the, uh, the show that the Bucks do when they have different people on there and stuff. And what they would do is, it used to be a travel vlog of them going to matches when they were in Ring of Honor, New Japan, things like that. And later it's evolved into like this sketch show. It's the one time they're allowed to do their their usual shtick of, you know, breaking kayfabe and doing crazy stuff. And it, it's meant to be for comedy. So being the elite is... But they also what they do now is they do some continuations of certain storylines on being the elite. So some things will happen on being the elite that will later transition into this. And one of the things was Adam Page was doing the whole, like, you know drunken, depressing, like, sad sack for the last couple weeks and months and everything else. You know, because of the whole issue with FTR and being kicked out of the elite and, you know, the losing to Kenny Omega. So, at one point, you know, he was walking by and the Dark Order was doing this whole, like, fuck Hangman Adam Page, like, they had this whole thing. And at one point, they were chanting, fuck Hangman, fuck Hangman, fuck Hangman, fuck Hangman. And Adam Page just walks into where their uh, area is, their own dressing room, and he walks right past them and goes straight to the bar. They have their own little open bar area. He walks over to the bar, and he pours himself a drink. And the Dark Order is kind of staring at them because they don't know what Adam's about to do. And Adam holds up his drink and goes, Fuck Hangman! Fuck Hangman! Fuck Hangman! And starts cheering with them. <laughs> so... That's brilliant. Exactly. So he, and it's funny because you don't know if Adam Page about to beat the shit out of all of them, but he just does that. So that whole thing built to this because now the Dark Order is trying to recruit Adam Page. That's what they're trying to do. But also, John Silver has talked a lot of shit about Adam Page. So while he was comedically joining in on the drink, on, on, on the whole chanting thing, he still wants to kill them, and oh my god. That is the saddest roll of the dice I've ever seen. I mean, I've seen worse, <laughs> but normally from other people rolling. Yeah. You've seen my rolls. Yes. <laughs> You've gone against my rolls. I hate, I've hated all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, so we had Adam Page versus John Silver. So how'd you feel about the match? High quality match, man. Uh, these two put on a fucking clinic together. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I mean, obviously, everyone who has been listening to us for a while knows that Elvis loves uh, John Silver. Worships him, practically. Yeah. And this match really, to my, in my opinion, showcased exactly why. And Adam Page, of course, is a great worker. We've all said that he needs a good solo run, and putting these two against each other right here is a really cool concept. My only thing is... Uh, <coughs> I mean, with them trying to uh, recruit him, all I'm afraid of is that we're going to see another tag team run with him with the Dark Order. That, 
is a possibility, yeah. And I will say this, like, I, and like I said, I've learned this from seeing John Silver in the ring. He actually is a very talented wrestler when he isn't acting like a doofus. Well, I mean, you got to realize his in-ring performance is what really fucking matters. His character is what gets him over with the fans. Oh, yes. I, and, I, and, I'm not, and I'm not saying anything to the contrary on that. I'm just saying, when he isn't acting like a doofus, he can get it done in the ring. That's why he's able to get away with it. Some people, like most people would not be able to get away with a gimmick like this, but it works. He He's one of those guys that like, he's he's a comedic, he's a comedy wrestler, but he makes it work to his advantage. And he's not always a comedy wrestler. Most of the time he does, he can be serious when he needs to be. And that's what makes him a really great wrestler, because sometimes you don't expect it. And, you know, also, he, in fact, in fact ever since AEW has, um... Been, has opened up. You can actually see on WWE's YouTube channel both John John Silver and MJS Tough Enough tryouts. When they actually tried out for Tough Enough years ago, they didn't get picked, obviously. But John Silver and uh, MJF have their own um, have their own videos up there, and you can check those out. And but of course, the match I thought was phenomenal. Hangman, of course, is going to win, as well he should. And then all the Dark Order comes out, and Evil Uno tells Hangman they're not out to jump him. They have their regrets, and he knows Adam does too. He implies that the Elite are a cult, but he wants Paige to know that his friends and him are here for him. Paige knows where to find them. I absolutely loved this promo. Because everyone knows the Dark Order is a cult. That is literally their gimmick. They have, they have this online thing where you can join the Dark Order because uh, your your life is shitty and they're going to make your life better. Yeah. They're your friends. This is the this is a, the absolute stereotypical fucking uh, internet age cult. Yeah. And Elvis and I have already pledged, so we're in. Yeah, this but... is, so this is fucking gorgeous, the way they set this up. So we've got... The, so they're, them calling the elite a cult is just it's like, we're not a cult. We're just a group of friends taking care of each other. Bitches, you're a cult. Uh, you're a cult. Everybody knows you're a cult. But but they're pulling it off beautifully because no cult is going to admit to being a cult. But here's what's even better about it is the fact that they – here's what they're saying, though. It's like they didn't even extend a membership. They just said, hey, we're here if you need us. So that's good selling. Like, hey, we're not going to try to convince you. We're not going to make you pledge. You're not going to – do any hazing for the exalted one. Just, just know, if you need us, we're here. If not, carry on. Right? That that's brilliant to me. Like not there. So it's like, it's almost like Adam Page is gonna have allies in the Dark Order, but he's not gonna be joining them yet. Yet, it's a possibility. It could happen. Obviously, uh, the way the, the way that they're building this is they're gonna make Adam Page be their friends. They're gonna end up being allies, and then eventually. He'll have no reason not to join the Dark Order. Yeah. I think, and I think the icing on the cake to get Adam Page to join the Dark Order would be to help him become the world champion. Because I don't see a better selling point than Adam Page eventually going for the world title, winning it, and getting a little help from the Dark Order. I think that would be the best way because that, I'm just thinking, I can't think of any other way to really convince Adam Page to join the Dark Order. I don't disagree with you. Except for one thing. Okay. I don't want to see him against Omega yet. And we know Omega's going to win this title. Yeah. I know. 
All right, so Omega's about to win this title. I mean, let's be honest. Moxley has had a good year with this title. Oh, yes. It's time for him to drop it. it is, oh, I've been saying that forever. All I right. thought Eddie Kingston should have took it. I, I would not disagree with you. But Omega put, being put on top, Omega's a big star. And they need a big star with the championship. And Kingston, I love Kingston, but he's not it. Yeah. Okay, Kingston, had a, he had a good feud with Moxley, but he's not quite that star level yet. Omega is. Yeah. Uh, so putting Omega in, uh, getting the Omega the title will keep a big, cha- a, a big, a big, uh, a big name with the title. I think that uh, as far as Adam Page, put the TNT title on him with Dark Order's help. That way you don't have him against Omega already. Okay, and then eventually they work their way to that. Right. I like that. And next, we cut to the backstage area with Alex Marvez, who's with Kenny Omega backstage, speaking of the devil. And he want he wants his thoughts on round two of the contract signing. He says, the more things change, the more they stay the same. A year ago, almost to the day, he was recovering from injuries via John. He lost that match. The only difference now is that he's seeing mocks all over magazines. The common thread that binds them is that what John has and what Kenny doesn't. It's not until he gets the AEW title until Kenny is considered the best. He requests that John, for only one night only, leave the garbage wrestling alone. Leave it to your ability. Kenny almost forgot. You are a good guy, and congratulations. That childhood story really tugged at his heartstrings. Kenny thinks John's dad would get the shit beaten out of him by his own dad. Harsh. <laughs> oh, I love this here because it shows Kenny Omega. Once again, he's playing the good guy. He's playing the good guy, which is, I love that version of a villain in general. The most, the best villains always think that they're the good guys. All right. So he's playing the good guy. And then he throws in these old schoolyard jabs, which shows the playfulness of Kenny Omega's character while still being that asshole playing the good guy. You know, I was about to shit all over that until you just spoke. Because you just you just justified why that made sense. Because I was literally about to go, really? My dad can beat up your dad. Really? We're going to do this? But you just explained how that worked. So good thing he went first. That, that's why I made Desmond go first. Because a lot of times I'm going to shit on something and then he'll change my mind. So I'm glad you went first. I'm so glad you went first. Because I was like, really, dude? What the fuck? Although I do like the fact he said it's the return of the cleaner, the return of the best bout machine. Which we're all waiting for. I'm just, eh, I, I, I'm really hoping that even though we're seeing the recliner and the best bout machine, he doesn't go too far to the strong side, to the strong style. I hope it's not that. Oh Jesus, that one six saved it. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm just saying. I hope he doesn't strip too. He doesn't go too far to the strong style, because Kenny does have a tendency to abuse the strong style a lot. So I'm hoping he does I, it in moderation. Obviously, he, combine when, the two. When he when he says he's going to be the cleaner, he means he's going to be the one that's dominating again. Okay, yeah. he's not saying that they're going to go back to using the no sell strong style bullshit. That's not what he's saying. He's not changing the entire style of AEW. Yeah, that's not what he's doing. What he's doing is he's saying Mike that now that he is on a roll, he is not letting up. He is going to be dominating. He's going to be pushing as hard as he possibly can. And nobody is going to fucking stop him. That's what he's saying here. And I, I, I hope that's true. And next we see Darby sits on his beaten car and the roof says, Survive if I let you, written on it. That's before the TNT champ lights that mother on fire. 
don't necessarily understand these these vignettes from Darby Allen, but I like them. I <laughs> here's the thing: I can actually explain this one. Survive if I let you is part of Taz's catchphrase. When Taz was in his prime in ECW, when he would cut his promos, his catchphrase was "Beat me if you can, survive if I let you." So that actually makes sense. He's using Taz's catchphrase, survive if I let you, and then lighting it on fire because that's the card they used to take out his arm. And he's also put Taz's catchphrase on it. So this one actually made sense. The rest of them I agree. I don't know what the hell he's doing. This actually had structure around it, which shocked me. But I still, even when I don't understand them, I enjoy them because they're, they're like a break from what's going on in AEW for yeah. a second. So I like the little... The change in pace. That's why uh, these vignettes, even when I don't understand them, I enjoy them. Absolutely. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs versus Lee Johnson. Was Lee Johnson anybody? I don't think so. It was like a first time match on the on the uh, main show. Or it was probably some prob- probably some indie guy they brought in to right. like put in there because yeah, they sometimes so do that. This, this is your basic intro I- intro monster jobber match. Yes. Like, Hobbs is now a heel, he's with Team Taz, and we're establishing dominance. I mean, they, I get that. Uh, the only problem I have with this is that Will Hobbs has already been established. He's already dominant. I mean, what are they, they're reestablishing him, even though he's been dominant for the last fucking month? It doesn't make sense to me in that sense. I do feel like he needs to continue his reign of dominance, but it's time to put actual competition under him. Yeah, and I think that eventually we're going to see that. Because, the, the, obviously, as we're going to find out later, there's a rivalry that's far from over with this. But I think that was just... I don't know necessarily if it was him proving he's a dominant monster. I think it's just more like, now he's going to be more evil and more vicious because he's a heel. Because even baby faces, no matter how dominant they are, baby faces have a cap on how much abuse they're going to dish out. Just Heels. enough to beat you. Yes, just enough to hurt. Just enough to get the one, two, three. I made my point. Heels, they have no cap. So now we're seeing that this is a guy who he won't stop until you're no longer moving. That's the difference. Baby faces stop when they win the match. Heels stop when you can't continue. That's the difference. So I think we're going to start to see more of that. And I think that's proof when we see um, Taz says, cut the music. He says, Cajun Stars have been celebrating the win last week. And Hobbs joining Team Taz. He sends Hobb away <laughs> to celebrate his new win as he has business to attend to. Taz wants some respect for the FTW title. And now he wants someone from management to come out right now and tell him why this title isn't given the respect it deserves. Taz Mike is cut and tells Justin Roberts to give him his mic. He tells Keith Mitchell and Tony Khan they better not cut his mic. They do. The announcer informed that Tony Khan wants Taz to leave the ring. Out comes Cody. He tells the crowd to give Taz a round of applause because he's done. He tells Taz he's wasting time. Cody tells him about the team Taz, Starks and Hobbs match against him and Darby Allen next week. He says he's out. He's, he's not out here for that. He wants respect for the FTW title. Cody gives him an offer. He'll run it up the flagpole. Taz has his qualms with that and references future endeavors and such. Cody then mentions that Taz's son is training with Cody and not him. Taz gets off the mic and tells Cody he went too far. Taz leaves up behind Cody, locks in the Taz mission. Cody is fading before the gun club comes in to break it up. Out comes Taz's son, Hook, who carries out the FTW title. 
the only issue I have with this segment, because I mean, I love the fact that um, they're having Taz come out here and uh, try to make. I, I get he's trying to make his FTW title mean something, but the big thing that I have an issue with here is he made a big deal about his title not being recognized by any company. So now all of a sudden he wants it to be recognized by the company. I mean, I get that he wants this FTW dial to mean something, but if he wants it to mean something, he shouldn't be doing it through the company. He should be doing it by defending the title on his own terms. Yeah. Well, I think I think the theory on that is that he wants it to be recognized, like, in the rankings. Like, mention, like you have, like, like when they mention it, John Moxley, world champion. Darby Allin, TNT champion. Brian Cage, FTW champion. And then rank everybody else. But you else. can't do that if it's not recognized by the company. And he made a big deal about it not being recognized by the company. So I think he's kind of backtracking on himself. Yes. I, I, I think in a way he is. But I think that the fact that, you know, the FTW title in ECW, it was never recognized as an actual title. And that he was talking about that's why, it, 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 you know... It was given to the baddest motherfucker in the world. Now he wants it to be recognized, and I think that that's a different direction. But what I what bothered me about this, and I'm gonna tell you why this bothered me. I didn't like I didn't like the thing with Cody, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because literally, what Cody tried to do here is what Vince McMahon and the WWE would do. So I feel like this is like Cody like like cutting off microphones. Saying, oh, he's wasting time. He's done. He's wasting time. I felt like that's such a Triple H, Vince McMahon, corporate thing to do. And I'm <laughs> like, that is the exact opposite of what your brand is supposed to be. I see what you're saying, but to, a, to, a, to an extent. But he also did it in a completely different way. Like Vince, he would have done it and he would have sent security out there to yank him out. And it, Cody didn't. Cody came out and said, look. I respect you. He literally, I respect you, but you know, you, you should have come to me at different. You should have come to management a different way, not coming here unauthorized on time. And and he did it in a way that was respectful. Whereas you know, Vince McMahon, Triple H would have just fucking sent out goons, hired thugs to fucking stop him. Yeah. And so it was still different in that aspect. Okay, I can see that. And then also, I remember like, um, and then of course like, and then Cody started getting, and then Cody started getting personal with it, and then it almost made Taz the babyface for a second, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, like was, crossing the line with the son. So when Taz like chokes him out, you don't feel sorry for Cody in that moment. Like, <laughs> Dude, you pushed him. You, you deserved that him. one. You deserved that it's one. Like, sorry, Cody, <laughs> you had that coming. You made this personal. Now, 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 I got to cut you. <laughs> it's like, come on. You even saw Taz. Like he said, "Dude, you went too far." That 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 was a lie. Like this felt. I will say what I loved about it was it felt like a shoot. You know, it's not one, but it felt like one, and I liked that. I think what they're doing here, because they had they had Taz's son leave with him. I think what they're going to end up having here is they're going to have a Taz a Taz's son join Cody and Darby for a while, actually being in the ring, work teaming with them. Uh, like Taz, they're going to have to show Taz and his son fighting and arguing. And he's going to end up helping them against, uh, against Hobbs and cage. And, and, and then you'll have this nice, you know, these, these three decent, decent sized big dudes against these three smaller dudes. Right. Taz's son's not very big. I, he's not, not as he's not quite as big as the other as <laughs> as the as right. Cody and uh, 
He's not as big as Cody. Definitely bigger than Darby. Right. So he's not. Definitely he's not a huge. Guy. He's not a huge guy. Yeah. He's, he's an like, average size. He's an average put size. Put him next AEW. to Brian Cage and Will Hobbs. He's average. That's why he's average. He's average AEW wrestler. Yes. Right. Yes. So uh, you put these three, these three more average, closer to average size guys against these bigger dudes, and you're gonna have this rivalry going on. And I think at the end of this rivalry, when it finally breaks through, Taz's son, blood thicker than water, is gonna end up going back with Taz, turning yeah. on them in the end. Yeah, and I think that's definitely gonna be something built there. And but I do, I will, agree, I do say I agree with Taz. <laughs> that's the thing. They brought the FTW title in. I expected title defenses out of this. We've gotten like two or three. Like, well, here's the thing: it's not recognized by the company. If he wants to defend the title, all he's got to do is say, is say, Brian Cage is going to put this title on the line tonight. It's an un, it's, it's an unrecognized title. He can do it whenever he wants. That's on him, not AEW. I know. I'm just saying, storyline wise, I'm trying to say here. Well, I mean, I, that's I feel why, like that's I why I'm going with the storyline wise. Okay. Because he already said it's unrecognized. They've admitted that it's unrecognized. The, the AEW cannot put a title that they do not recognize on the line. They don't. They can't. It's against it. So if he wants to do it, he has to wager it. Yeah. That's on him, not AEW. Yeah. They got to do something with that because I'm just saying, I really want to see that FTW title because it was so great in ECW. And I feel like AEW can really benefit from that belt and having it be defended in that regard because it gives you something else to play with. It gives it gives another wrestler something to kind of work with when you can't touch the TNT title or the world title. The only the issue I have with this is they've got one, uh, one two-hour show a week. They're starting to get in that WWE thing where they've got too many damn titles. And, uh, you know, if you continue to recognize more titles, the other titles aren't going to mean anything because there's so many of them. Well, yeah. Well, the problem is it's hard to even put value on the titles, though, because they try to act like, you know, there's no there's no mid-card title in our company. It's like, really, Cody? Then what's the point of that one? Like, th- <coughs> that the whole purpose of a mid-card title is that this is this is what you can shoot. This, this is what you this is what the average person can shoot for. Here is what the best of the best can shoot for. If you're trying to make all your belts on a level playing field, there's no value anyway. Like Cody devalues his own titles before anybody else can. Well, let's be honest though. When, when, when you have John Cena and The Miz going for those mid-card titles, and I know you don't like The Miz, but you have to realize he is a top-tier player. At this point, he is. At this point, yes. All right, I, so... I, I've, gr- I've grown to respect him over the last year. I said the, the, I've said the promos he's... The, the feud he had with Shane McMahon turned me around. Because he upped his game, finally. He's starting to up his game, finally. So I mean, I felt like, he, I felt like his feud with jo- John Cena back in the day was a damn good feud. It wasn't. It wasn't as good. It was decent at best. Uh, but he it, was the third. He was the third wheel. He was the WWE champion and was the third wheel in a Rock Cena rivalry. But he pretty much sat in the background. He tried. He tried to dig out. Now, of that in all hole. fairness, in, it was like, look, he got halfway up the hole and fell back. Here's down. the thing: is he did a good job considering who he was up against, John yes. Cena and The Rock. I'm saying he he got he he, he was. You have to admit how well he did for who he was I'm up against. I'm just saying he was he was in a deep <laughs> hole. He was halfway up the hole, but he didn't quite get out of it. So I'm just saying, still, if if you're the but, if you're the champion, you're the third wheel in a feud. <laughs> That don't sit well for you as a champion. So. Uh, you have you, a lot of that's on creative though for putting him against two of the best talkers in WWE history. And that was only because they had Cena going up against the Miz at WrestleMania, and they right. had to throw this Rock thing in there. Right, so, so they were 
It was a third wheel thing. But my point is, but uh, I see your I see your point with the Miz. Like I said, with that. But what I'm anyway, what I'm getting at with the, when Cena and the Miz go after these mid card titles, they push these fucking titles. They are just as important as the world titles. Think about it. When John Cena had that United States Championship, tell me when he had the U.S. Championship, who had the fucking world title? Who had the world title? What year was this? <laughs> you see my point. No, no, no. If you give me the year, I can remember. I think it was Seth Rollins. If I mean, I it's, happened, it's happened multiple times. It was Seth Rollins. But it has happened multiple times. Even when he had, even before he had the world title, before John Cena won his first world title, he was only working for the U.S. title. Yeah. The U.S. title didn't. Uh, they meant just as much as the world title because John Cena had it. All right. Yeah. And so that's what they're doing here is they're putting these. They're putting people like. Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes, who are big names, whether you like them or not, are big names in AEW. And they're putting these titles on them, so they do, in a sense, mean just as much as the world title. Yeah, but I'm saying is that, you know, if, if all your titles, though, are are on that level playing field, then throwing <laughs> in extra ones doesn't quite devalue them, well, is what I'm saying. What, what, if, you, if you do it too much, then it does devalue them. Because if they are on the same playing level, then they're having to split the love. You know what I mean? Exactly. But if, whereas if you have them, uh, whereas if you have a tier system, then you're like, well, that's, that title doesn't even matter, so why should I even watch the match? So they're try- you want to have two titles that are pretty damn close in the tier level, but you don't want to, but you don't want to have too many of them. Because yeah. then it starts. So when you have those two, that's perfect. Exactly. Well, and, you, and the only other, but the only other factor is the fact is is also that because NWA hasn't had a show lately, although there's talks of them starting up a new one with a whole new name and everything, um, the NWA Women's Title was being featured a lot. Mm-hmm. But that was because they were trying to give NWA some exposure beforehand. So that was so we had so we've always had extra titles coming in just one but just the- temporarily. But yeah, well, they yeah they they were defending titles from other promotions, and they made them clear these are other promotions. Yeah, they uh, that's what that's the difference there. It's like it, it's it's like when uh when back in back back in the early uh, in the not uh, mid to early nineties when they had when they'd have the uh, oh shit what title was it was it the NWA I think so yeah back, they had the NWA tag championships that they were being defended on Raw. That's when they had that brief moment where they had NWA in there, and they were trying. Right, to and they do, were working together with them. Yeah, well, they they were trying to do an NWA type angle because they were trying. I, I think it was something about appeasing Jim Cornette because mm-hmm. he really was. He wanted to bring the really old school wrestling into a time where yeah. it was not being well received. And they and they they had NWA rules in, in these specific matches, which was kind of cool because yeah. you got to see a little something different. Exactly. Because they, they also tried to do it because they were trying to make Jim happy and say, hey, okay, here's your old school. I have a question. I, I, sorry, a little off that. Talking about, talking about old school wrestling real quick and, and something a little different. The Brawl for All. Were those little legitimate fights? Did they just like throw these guys together? Those fights were shoot. All of them. So they, of they, them. they were literally just straight up beating the hell out of each other. Yes. Did they specifically put people against, uh, in the first, uh, when you do this, do you initially put people together that they have issues backstage, like, fuck it, beat each other up in the ring? <laughs> Not really. Because that's what I would have well, done. <laughs> well, here's the thing. We're doing, well, later on, we're going to be doing a dark side of the ring where we go deeper into the brawl for all. So I don't want to give too much here. But I will say, all those fights were shoot. All of them. 
Whether they had real beef with each other, I don't know. I know there was some that did. Well, I mean, I know I would have to say, obviously, later on in the tournament, it would be less of that because obviously, you're at that point, you go against who you go against. But in the beginning, that first round, Probably. I would definitely put people who had a little beef with each other. It's like, beat it out of each other, shake hands at the end, you're done. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but, and obviously, like I said, I, but yeah, I, I, to answer your question on the surface, they were all a shoot. As far as what was going on, we got to save that for the YouTube channel. So we're saving that for the YouTube channel. Des, of course, will definitely be in on that, but we're talking about the brawl for all big time. We're <laughs> and of course, I'm, that. and he knows I'm talking about this because I, I've been watching old school wrestling on we, WWE. We just finished watching WWE. 99, <laughs> Raw 99, where Austin, where Rock threw Austin off the bridge in Detroit City. So we just saw that. And then we saw the Broken Skull session with Taker. So yeah, but to answer your question, the brawl for all, all those fights were shoot, including the one at WrestleMania 15. Wow. They were all shoot. <laughs> They were all a shoot, and the we butter, get deeper into and then and then because butter, Butterbean was a real fighter. Yeah, yeah. So Butterbean literally just knocked that motherfucker out. <laughs> yeah, they were all shoots. And you, all and, and I'm just saying, when I watched that, and I heard that. I'm like, Butterbean's knock knocks him out that quick. I'm like, that's why they put this match on so early because they can say, okay, look, you got to take a little bit longer in your match. That went a lot faster than I thought it was gonna. <laughs> yeah, well, they did that. But here's, I will say this though, that was a shoot, but there was another pay per view. And I think we, if we haven't talked about it now, Gator and I will definitely talking about it in the pay-per-view review where Mark Marrow went up against Butterbean. That match was a work. That was a work. That was storyline. But but the one with the one with Bart Gunn at WrestleMania 15, shoot. But we'll get into all that on the YouTube channel. I don't want to give too much away. But we'll give you the whole story of the Brawl for All and <laughs> share our thoughts on it when we do Dark Side of the Ring. So, but yeah, so on that note, we're going to move on to the next segment here. Eddie Kingston is backstage with Alex Marvez. He says he's not mad at Penta. He's just really disappointed. He kind of expected it from Ray Phoenix, and he insults Pac. Who enters but John Moxley? The two stare one another down. Eddie says it wasn't him who attacked him last week. They got their own stuff to handle, champ. And Moxley walks away. I'm not sure how I felt about this. I mean, are they trying to reignite the Kingston-Mox thing here? I mean, this was... Uh, this is uh, interesting, or maybe, or, or maybe they're finally having Kingston and him kind of bury the hatchet, like he came up and there's a mutual respect again. I, I'm not sure what vibes I was getting from this. I think it was just. I think the reason they did it was because we're when 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 Moxley was attacked, we were all all 100% convinced it was Kenny Omega. I knew it was Kenny. You knew it was Kenny. Anybody watching the show is thinking. Kenny Omega. I think they did this to kind of throw us off. Especially us. Because we're analysts. We analyze this shit. We, we're, we're sitting here going, Kenny attacked him. We know this. I think this Either is a way Kenny to attacked him or Kenny paid someone to attack him. Exactly. And we're thinking maybe Moxley, this is, this is a moment to kind of throw us off the trail. Like, maybe it wasn't Kenny. And then, maybe it was Eddie Kingston. And then at the same time, he could have paid Eddie Kingston. Kingston was talking about how he needed the money. Yeah. But he's saying, I got my own business to handle. It wasn't me who did it. And then kind of goes around. Because he said, because here's the thing about Eddie King. He said, look, I said I quit. I got to live with that. But that doesn't mean that I'm done forever. I quit in that match. But I will become World Heavyweight Champion. So we know at some point, if if somehow Moxley gets past Omega, which we don't see happening. But then again, AEW's made a lot of crazy decisions. Anything can happen at this point. I will say, 
an interesting point here. I like how Kenny, uh, how uh, sorry Kingston did that. Uh, he's like, I gotta live with this. I gotta move on. It's, he's literally a live to fight another day. Thing. Yeah, it's like he's like at this point, he's like he was gonna keep beating the hell out of me. I was to the point where I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, live to fight another day. Yeah, he said, and I have to live with it. Like he, because usually in an I quit match, I don't care how badass of a heel you are, it's hard to 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 heal your way out of that. It really is. When you say I quit, that is a hard thing to make excuses. And I think for. That what they're doing here is, you know, he's still being a heel in certain aspects, but he's also kind of in this moment. He's like, look, this was a fa- this was a bit of a face move right here. Yeah. And this li- and he pulled it off, and he pulled it off well because it didn't take away from his character. It didn't at all, and that's that's in itself is a hard thing to pull off when you're when you're because he was such a proud character. He did this in a way that he's like. I have to live with it. It hurts my pride. And he stuck with the pride, and it worked. It was amazingly done. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. Top Flight versus the Hybrid 2. <clears throat> I loved it. I fucking loved both of these teams for different reasons. Top Flight, because I, I'm a spot monkey junkie. <laughs> I really fucking am. Okay, that might be his new nickname for the show. By the way. I, I, that's brilliant. I never even thought of that, but yeah, I'm gonna say that. Uh, I absolutely fucking love Top Flight, and, and they're smooth. Okay, the, I, I will, like I said, the the, the 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 little botch I did see in the uh, in their match with the Young Bucks. I'm not sure if it was their fault or if it was Young Bucks. It was close. It was a hard. It was a hard move to call. Yeah. All right. And sometimes maybe it was a little bit of both of them. Like like one guy just didn't get up enough, and the buck because he didn't get up enough, the buck couldn't get the right grip. You know, it could have been something stupid. Yeah. And both of them are a little bit in in, in blame for it. It doesn't matter. Botches happen in wrestling. They recovered from it well. So I really do love both uh, both top flight and hybrid theory being able to combine the high flying with the with the technical masterpiece. I mean, you got a, you got a guy who sits there and does these. Beautiful uh, Mexican uh, re- Mexican actual wrestling moves. All right, not the not the high flying shit, but he does a little bit of high flying. But he he just the Mexican fucking submissions, and I love it. Yeah, high well, and Helico and Jack Evans have always been great. Going by the way, back to Lucha Underground, so you know you're gonna have a good match with them. Top flight. <laughs> I'm starting to see it now. I mean, okay, they it, didn't they didn't really botch in this match. I don't think I saw any. I didn't see a single botch. I didn't see it either. So it says okay. So let's say for the sake of argument, let's say the botch last week was their fault. They at least recovered this week, so they they lived to uh, get over another day. And and like I said, the botch that happened was on a tough spot. It could have been either one of their faults. Yeah. And it could have been a little bit of both of their faults. I mean, botches happen, and even in that match, they recovered well from the botch. Exactly. They continued from that. So Yeah, so I'm saying, just for the sake of argument, let's say it was their fault. They recovered from it in this match. They made up for it. Absolutely. So, like I said, I'm not saying it's their fault, but either way, they recovered. So, there was that moment, great match, um, amazing chemistry between these teams. And I, then, I do like Hybrid 2 being a... Uh, a heel team. Yes. I really fucking love this. Like, like I didn't, when I first watched them, like these guys are the ultimate baby faces. It's like, there's, they're very jovial. They got a really exciting move set to watch. And, and then they pull this off. I'm just like, I didn't expect it. Like the moves that they have could be very well used to be vicious as well. And I love these two as a heel team. And I didn't expect to like them as a heel team. I didn't either because they were such good. Ba- like I said, again, I got to go back to Lucha Underground. because That's the only reference I have. They were fantastic baby faces. 
going up against the Worldwide Underground. So I knew them just as baby faces. I didn't know if they could pull off being heels, and they are. And then, of course, after that, um, you know, afterwards, uh, you know, they continue their vicious assault. The Young Bucks come out to make the save, which causes the Hybrid 2 to bail. And it makes sense that the Young Bucks come out because the Young Bucks are working as a, uh, as a sort of a mentor status right now with uh, with the uh, top, uh, flight. top Flight. And, they, you know, they brought them in. They gave them that titles match because they're, they're like, look, these guys are deserve this title match. We brought these guys in because they are they are two of the best in the world, even at their young age. That's what that's what the young bucks are pushing right here. So they are mentoring them to be the next great tag team, and so them coming out to save uh, Top Flight makes a lot of sense. Why? I, but they didn't come in and interfere in the match because they're trying to say that they don't need our help in the match. Yeah, exactly. The match you're on your own, but if they beat you down afterwards, we're there. And it also sets <laughs> up the fact that we could see. Especially if they're building to Revolution, uh, we could see the Young Bucks versus Hybrid Two for those tag team titles. And I, and as much and I would love to see Hybrid Two take the titles off of them, but it ain't happening. Too, not even not not just that it ain't happening. It's too soon. Well, yeah, the bus, that's the issue. Not just that they just won the belts. That's what I said. It's too they just soon. won the belts from FTR, which was dom- who was dominating when they came in, mm-hmm. and. You know they won. They won the dream match that everybody's looking forward to seeing. So they, as much as I hate it, they need to have a long run with the belts. I say this. for it, no other reason than the fact they beat FTR. Yeah, they need to make it legitimate while FTR rebuilds their status. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, after that, we cut to uh, Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero, who are giving us a lesson about nepotism. She says this happens at the hand of Brandy Rhodes. Vicky makes it known that Brandy's business plan is set up for failure. Maybe I don't... Maybe I just don't understand this, but it, maybe it's just because I've never thought that Vicky was that great of a talker as much as she just liked to yell and annoy people. But I don't really get this promo. I don't either. It's I guess... Because first of all, I haven't seen Brandy use any nepotism that I can recall. Uh, I mean, they're, they're using nepotism... Um, to bring for bringing other people in and making other people the uh, you know like that I don't see it, um, and the, but even then nepotism usually has to do with more like Cody Rhodes getting gold dust in. That was nepotism. <laughs> yes, I can see um, that to a degree. Even though, granted, Dustin had already had an impressive resume coming in. Well, I'm not disagreeing with you, but a lot of a lot of places would have said that you know. He's got an impressive resume, but he don't have no years left on him. Yeah. and uh, Which would be the dumbest thing you could say, because Dustin... Had some of the best years of his life. His best year, one of the best years of his life here in, in AEW. Not just that, but ever since... And I, and I, and I know that uh, they're not a sponsor, but hopefully someday they will be. Um, ever since he started doing... When he, when he got on the DDP Yoga program, yeah. that's what's allowed him to have the great matches he had in WWE just before he left. He was having great matches, because he was back in the shape... That he was in back in the day. So Dustin's able to still go for a while. You know, they're not ready to take him off. And I still, I've said this a million times before. I will say it again. I want Dustin to have one run with the world title before he goes. I would not be against it. Uh, it wouldn't. I wouldn't want it to necessarily be a long run. Yeah. I'm not saying it has to be like. But he definitely, because he's never had a world title ever. Anywhere. Yeah. So I would love for him to have the AEW championship. 
Um, but he, we definitely have to have a couple of young guys have it before he has it. Exactly. Yeah. So that way we're like, oh, they're not like, oh, they're just putting a bunch of champ, bunch of championships on a bunch of old people from other companies, legends. I'm like, no, that's not what we're doing. Well, yeah. I mean, what? Here, well, here's what they're doing. First of all, here's well, here's the thing, and I, and this is my only argument against that. Jericho had to be the first guy coming out of the gate. Because you have to establish yourself as a legitimate company. And there's nobody that... And, 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 and even though Jericho has said it's a heel, it's a fact. No one took AEW seriously till Jericho signed on. Before, they just thought it was Cody in the box and Kenny doing their thing all over again, blah, blah, blah. Hold on. Jericho just signed with this? That made... That made Here's that the thing. I, eyes on I had eyes... I, my eyes were on it when Tony Khan stepped up with them. When they had a billionaire backer. Okay. That's when I took it seriously. Yes. Okay. But I'm saying, but Jericho signing with them was the was the big was the biggest signing they had. Like I've always said this. Jericho is their Hulk Hogan right now. He's the guy that when he came over, all of a sudden people went, Oh, this thing has a real shot. Like this is the first time Jericho has been in a company where he is the top guy. Not a top guy, the top guy. It's him. So he had to be the first world champ out of the gate. So then they gave it to Moxley to put a little more star power behind your title. And because and, and, Moxley had, you know, everywhere else. Also, everyone felt he got a bad deal when he was WWE champion WWE. I disagreed with that because I felt he dropped the ball, but that's just me. I feel like it was a combination of both. Yes. And that, that, because I do feel like WWE didn't do shit with his title run. Yeah. But because he already felt like he was on the way out, he didn't put as much into his promos like he could have. Exactly. And like, and and nobody liked his match with Dolph Ziggler. Everyone felt Dolph should have won that night, and were pissed when they didn't. But I, I've, I've, I mean, I've been pissed every time Dolph loses a major match for the last five years. Exactly. So, <laughs> so this was Moxley's chance to prove. All right, you say you can do a better job. Let's see you do a better job, and he has. He's proven now that he can draw money as a world champion. All right, and and get people to watch TV and get in the buy rates. Now, granted. Putting asses in seats will always be deba- debatable because of COVID, but at some point, at some point, Moxie would have to become a two-time world champion. Back when they allow fans in the stands to see if he puts asses in seats, because that's always oh, be, they are allowing fans. That, that's, that's the thing what, is AEW is allowing fans in stands, just social distance and small small scale. Exactly, they're not allowed to have sold out shows essentially. So, but that's a legal thing. So it's that that's always going to be the at the one asterisk on his title reign is. Could he put asses in seats? So at some point, let's be he honest, has to have a second run. He has the star power. He, he has the star power. He'd put asses in seats. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, I think anybody who argues against that's blind. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm not arguing against it. I'm just saying that it it would be hard to tell. Truly. But I agree. I believe you could. But that. But as far as having facts to back it up, we don't have them. But it's not his fault. It's COVID's fault. So now we got Kenny Omega coming in. Who's gonna take? Who, who can take the championship? So now we got somebody different coming in. Now, granted, Kenny Omega is a mostly a star, is more of a star in Japan than he is in the states, but he is establishing himself. He has established himself more and more within the states during this last year in AEW. He's had great matches with great people that can bring out the best in him and force him to work a style he was not accustomed to. Got him accustomed to that style, so that when he does get this championship. He'll be off to the races, and then it. 
But eventually, it should circle back to somebody like Dustin, somebody like Jake Hager. At some point, you have to sprinkle them in. Yeah, you, you can sprinkle just, in legends and big stars in up there and have up and coming take it over. So you're building your own guys while also using the assets that you've acquired. Yes, and that's always been the key thing. That's why I was never mad when I saw legends getting the, when I saw bigger names getting the universal title. That made the universal title mean something. So when somebody inevitably took it, that person went up to the went up to the next level. So I never had objections. See, my biggest issues wasn't the the legends getting it; it was who they took it off of. Yeah, and that's a lot. A lot is like in how they took it off of them, like Goldberg taking it off of the Fiend. I hated that, a lot especially of did, the way I... that they did it. They he it, one it was one spear and a shoddy fucking. Uh... Actually, it was four. It took four spears to take him down. It took more spears to take down the Fiend than any other wrestler I mean, it was in Goldberg's last run. So my biggest point was it was a fucking shit match. It was really quick. It was really slow. And like the Fiend didn't get to use. Like they made it the Fiend look weak. I don't care how you. I don't care what you say about the spears, man. I'm just saying they. He had moments with the mandible claw. He had Goldberg down on one knee. They really. I mean, I know for it might not look like a big deal to you, but with somebody like Goldberg, who uh, who very rarely is put on a knee, let alone both. That is still big in the context of how everything is done. The only thing I complained about, my my only complaint about that match, okay, there was two. I do agree that Jackhammer sucked. I, I won't take that away. But what I also didn't like, the only thing I didn't like was when, I, and here's the thing, The Fiend got right back up while Goldberg was celebrating. So it showed, okay, yeah, you beat him, but you didn't annihilate him. And also, what would have made it better for me is that The Fiend had put that mandible claw in and left Goldberg laying with a choke with a choke out, and then close out with that laugh. Would have been perfect. All right, you took the belt off of him. Big deal. He and got took, the last laugh. He got the last laugh. So that was my only complaint. Outside of that, nothing was wrong because as you can see, the Fiend's still going very strong. Didn't yeah. hurt him at all, and it took the belt off of him in a way. I will say that much: WWE did not drop the ball with the Fiend like they did the original Bray Wyatt gimmick. And the Fiend was able to perfectly explain it. Later on, he was like, you know what? I didn't need the title, and Goldberg wasn't even on my list. I just had to defend it against him. Now I can go back to doing what I'm supposed to do, which is getting my revenge. So on and so forth, and everybody else. Now leading to Randy Orton, which is like the main person he wants revenge on. And then he can get his title back. And, and well, he, he would have to, but he can't get his title back because Orton doesn't have the goddamn title. Oh, I know. That was another big mistake. Not that major fuck up. But anyway... We're, we're going too far to the other competition here, so let's just <laughs> circle back here before we get completely insane. And we see FTR. Cash says that Full Gear was the worst night of his life. Mine too. Dax says for three seconds, they were the better team. It's his lifeblood to have the AEW tag titles. Tully says it's their destiny, and it's his destiny to coach and call themselves a team. He tells the Bucks to fear the revelation. That wasn't a nod to their original, uh, their, their original te- team name in WWE at all. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah, fear the revelation. <laughs> so I guess that's what FTR is going to stand for now, because they haven't really set anything for it. Fuck the revolution. That was what's supposed to be called. It was originally called fuck the revival. Fuck the revival. Yeah. yeah when when because that's when the Bucks were saying it because, but then eventually they got cease and desist orders and they couldn't say the revival anymore. They had a censor. But, you, but you can't say you can't tell us not to say letters. Yeah. So they would have ha- but because they established Fuck the Revival so much, they had the hashtag FTR. So they would do that when they would make fun of the revival at different shows. 
So this is a feud that's been going on for years and years and years. That's why it was such a big deal when they finally faced off the tag belts. And it's also why they changed their names to FTR when they came to AEW. That fans already knew that name. They were already established with that. They can't legally call themselves the Revival. It's a WWE-owned name. So it was perfect. But either way, I want to see a... I, 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 wanna, I, I hope FTR at some point gets those titles back because I... Oh, yeah, absolutely. They should definitely be a multiple-time uh, tag champion. Um... And this is one of those setups where they're, they're, I think AEW is doing a good job keeping FTR away from the tag belts right now. Because going right back into the feud and just having the Bucks versus the FTR over and over again would get really fucking pointless and really stale. And I think AEW has done a good job of realizing that and not going back and forth with the same match repeatedly, repeatedly. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like even with, uh, with Darby Allen against... Team Taz, he's gone against Brian Cage. He's gone against uh, I can never remember that other guy's name. Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks. Why the fuck can I never remember Starks' name? I don't know. Maybe Brian Cage is so menacing. I don't know. Him? But I mean, the point is, he's he's gone against Ricky Starks. He's gone against uh, uh, and now it's like he'll go. He'll end up going against uh, Hobbs. And they're continue the way that they're doing this. Even though he's still going against the same team, it's not stale. Because he's going against a different member of the team, repeated. You know, it's not the same. It's not the same matchup every time. Um, and I think that's something the AEW is doing a lot better. Whereas you know, with uh, WWE, if you had DX against the corporation, you had Test versus Triple H, and it, you know you picked the two guys that were the closest size together and you put them against each other. Yeah. You know, um, it, it was repeated. It was rinse and repeat. They did the same thing over and over again. Whereas, where AEW is, like I said, they're swapping it out. I think that that's a really good way to keep it from getting too stale. Very true. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have Frankie Kazarian, Christopher Daniels of SCU versus the Inner Circles, Chris Jericho and Jake Hager. This, um, I mean. It's weird for me seeing Jericho in a tag team match, man. Uh, I, he's the leader of the of the of this faction, and normally is like he sends his minions out to do the business for him. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm like I'm interested to see what they're gonna do with this. Like, are they gonna have uh, Jake Hager and Jericho with the tag team belts? I think that's that was the function when they started this. They wanted to get in the ranking system and challenge because now Jericho is no longer the world heavyweight champion. And they don't want to push him to be already. Yeah. They don't want to put him back in there too early. So now he wants to try and go for the tag belts. Because obviously, for some reason, he doesn't want to be the TNT champion, which I thought was weird, but okay. So now he wants to establish himself in the tag team. I think he picked Jake Hager because they wanted to go that route. Maybe because they want to push Sammy G to some to, to, to a singles title or something. I don't know. Sammy G would be a great mid-card champion right now. Exactly. Um, and because obviously you got Santana and Ortiz are a team. Jer- uh, and, and, but originally Jericho and Sammy G were a tag team. They were less sex gods. So I thought that was weird that they didn't bring that together. But I guess him and Jake Hager either way is good. And I think the goal of it is to ultimately get him... Get them the tag team titles. I think that's the goal. Because they want to be recognized in the ranking system. So we're going to see a lot more of that. What I loved about this was finally seeing Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels teaming up again. Because it bothered me so much when SCU got the tag belts and it was Frankie and Scorpio Sky defending the belts. Because I've always felt Frankie and Daniels 
are the true tag team. They've been a tag team. TNA, Ring of Honor, they're the established tag and team. Scorpio Sky's better on his own. He's better on his own. I mean, don't He's get me wrong, I like, I like him with the team, but it's it, like any other trio. You have two guys going after a tag belt, one going after the singles belt. These aren't the Freebirds. I mean, exactly. I mean, everybody's being the Freebirds, but the Freebird rule, it's so overplayed today. It's not even fun. I mean, you say that, but I only know of what? We had, we had the Spirit Squad in the New Day. Who else followed followed under the Freebird rule? Uh, Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, Randy Orton. They had a Freebird rule going on. I don't remember that. I remember Bray Wyatt and and Orton being the champions, and Luke Harper was just kind of there. I I heard someone. I heard Michael Cole. Somebody say they can do the Freebird rule. I heard that. They never actually enacted it. Every time it was defended, it was Orton and it, it was Orton and Wyatt. So they might have they might have mentioned something about the Freebird rule. But they never enacted it. Fair enough. But I'm just saying that was established there. There's a, there's plenty of like three and plus like I'm just saying between but between that stuff in WWE and now seeing in AEW, it's like I'm everybody's. Not, I, I feel like it's getting yeah, thrown around for a lot. Full, now for true trios where you don't have a real leader, I can see it. But yeah, so Scorpio Sky is definitely should be the established leader of this trio, or at least be solo. Yeah, he. I, I'm not saying he has to be the leader. If Daniels technically has to be the leader, he's the veteran of the two, but. Scorpio Sky definitely deserves to go solo. He didn't need to be a tag champion. Well, I mean, in all fairness, Ric Flair was the veteran in Evolution, but Triple H was by far the leader. Well, that's because he was more full. T- he was he was more of the he was the world champion. You can't have the world champion not be your leader. But my, that's my and point also, is you can put Scorpio Sky as a champion and have him be the leader. The it's a matter of the reason. The real reason was, and you know, the veteran isn't always the isn't always the uh, highest. It, it, the, the, isn't always the uh, highest person in the arc in the uh, in the story because hey you can be a veteran but you've gone downhill a little bit or you know what I mean yeah well that's well that's the difference like Ric Flair knew in Evolution that you know he was he this as far as being a world champion the sun's the sun was the sun had set on that time he knew Triple H was the guy so Ric Flair was kind of having the Arn Anderson role in all of this he had to be the Arn guy in the situation. Um, and as far as who got everything else, that's another story. But, um, either way, I thought it was a great tag team match. Um, I liked MJF's interference. I like, um, I liked the, the Judas effect and the fact that Jake Hager got the pin afterwards. I thought was brilliant. <clears throat> and the fact that we've talked and we, that the fact that Jericho still protects the Judas effect. I love that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, he hits that Judas effect. The match is over. It's over. That's just like... There are very few finisher moves right now that I still have that that still have that feel where you hit it, it's over. Between the Judas effect, the end of days, um, really, uh, oh, I know there was another one. I, I if we, I know we can think of. Uh, I guess. Oh, uh, oh the uh, one winged angel. Yes, uh, Bray's mandible claw. Yeah, no the, one's ever kicked out of that. Or they've broken got, out of it. Broken out of it. I mean, broken out of it. I'm talking about when he has them on the ground, they're choked out. You're out. Oh well, yeah, but he I mean, fought out but, of it. Yeah, but if you can, but he, he has locked it in, and people have gotten out of it. Yes, and to, that's not quite as protected. Yeah, that's what that was what I was getting at. Okay, okay, well, yeah, okay. He locks that move in. It's not necessarily the end of the match. It's usually the end of the match, but people have gotten out of it. Yeah, bef- yeah, before that, before the point of no return. Right. It's like it's like when Austin hit a stunner and the guy pushes him off. Well, it's not, like. 
you know, hey. when he hit the stunner before WrestleMania 15, nobody kicked everybody nobody kicked out of it. But there were times where he would go for it, and the guy would push him and get him out of the ring. So it was like, well, no, but I mean, him. like he, Bray has locked it in and just not had anybody and just not had them on the mat. You, it can be locked in standing up. That's the brilliance of that move. Yeah, <laughs> but they usually try to make it a, a takedown move. They very seldom try to choke the guy out. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Mick Foley had a guy on one knee or something that did that. But Big Show, Big Show was standing up. He's he's hit him down where he went down to one knee and was like, yeah. And then he would put he next time he would choke him out that way and then put him down. Yeah, exactly. So so I've seen at least the one knee situation like the bigger guys, and then of course after the match. Uh, Kazarian slugs MJF and all the Inner Circle gang up on him. This leads Scorpio Sky with a steel chair. He clears the ring. So, once again, Scorpio Sky, leader. Exactly. <laughs> and then uh, next, we see Miro and Kip Sabian attacked by the best friends backstage. Uh, that was just there, I guess. I don't know. I didn't see it before talking about. No, uh, I feel like this rivalry, they're not really doing anything with it. It's just there. Uh, it was like. If you're gonna, they 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 have no titles to go for. The feud, I feel like after one or two beatdowns, it should have been over. It, yeah. it was a really small, petty thing, and I feel like there's no emotion really behind it. It's not. They're just like they just. It's our job for today. Let's do it. Uh, and next up is the contract signing between Kenny Omega and John Moxley. This is round two. Uh. Tony introduces uh, Omega first, but as his entrance is going on, Mox assaults him, throws him through the display thing, throws him into the ring, lays the title down in front of him, delivers the paradigm shift on top of the title. Mox grabs the mic. Gentlemen's agreement? Right. Whoever Kenny hired to attack him, they did a piss-poor job. He thought his beef was squashed with Omega a year ago, but he had to go and piss him off. He tells the only way Kenny has a chance to dig down deep and find the Omega everybody thinks he is. You have to defeat him. Next week, the two best wrestlers tangle for this title. Win, lose, or draw, winter is, winter is coming for Kenny. When you come at the King, you best not miss because he takes no prisoners. Take your shot, Kenny, because you're only going to get one. Mox then thanks Tony before signing the contract to make the match official. I'm just... Interested to see what they do with this here. Like, are they going to finally determine who attacked him? Um, uh, is Kenny Omega going to admit to hiring someone to attack him? Like, how is this going to play out? I want to see what happens with this story. I actually am interested because uh, to me, it's like there's enough mystery with uh, with enough action to make this a really cool feud. Yeah, and definitely love the promo from Moxley. Uh, I will say, I did notice. Um, Jim Cornette say this, and I want to get your take on this because I found it intriguing, was during the contract signing, they talked about Moxley hitting Kenny Omega, dropping Kenny Omega on the title. And Moxley's promo going on for a really long time while Kenny has to lay there and sell. And which a lot, some people thought it was great. Cornette didn't like it because he knew that at some point in the match, they're going to be hitting each other with 50 different finishers and kicking out a lot. Meanwhile, one shot on the world title and Kenny's sitting there for like three, four minutes while Moxley's droning on and on. His words, not mine. I think that they need to protect the paradigm shift. You hit that move, it's over. And like he could hit all kinds of big moves, but he hits that paradigm shift, it needs to be over. And for the most part, it has been. Right. Um, and yeah, he's had very, very few times when people have kicked out of it. 
So I think that in this particular case, with the title belt being the catalyst, making it a bigger move than it normally is, I think that it's okay. Okay. Um, now, if they do do this match and he uh, hits and takes him three and four paradigm shifts to win, because right now we've seen a lot of people get out of the paradigm shift but not kick out of it once he hits it. Yeah. Um, so as long as he doesn't, you know, kick out of two and three uh, of paradigm shifts, I think this will be all right. It all depends on how they do it in the match. Exactly. I agree with that. And of course, uh, again, love the promo from Moxley. Love the beat down. Um, Kenny legit, like not knowing where he is. He was on a dream street, queer street, whatever you want to call it. I've heard it called both things in wrestling. Um, and so I look forward to the match. And on that note, we cut to the inner circle is irate against SCU's actions. Jericho challenges Frankie Kazarian to a one-on-one match next week for on a on dynamite. A one-on-one match on dynamite between Jericho and, and who? Frankie Kazarian. Frankie Kazarian. Oh, they've never had a one-on-one match together. They're, they're, it was the first time even getting in the ring together uh, in the tag team match. They made a big deal about that. Well, also, it was, them and, it was him and Christopher Daniels they also made a big deal about. Oh, okay. Because Daniels Chris, is... It was Daniels. Okay, Yeah, it was Daniels. Mind. So, I my theory is they want to do Kazarian on dynamite. Maybe they're saving him and Daniels for Revolution. Because that's where I would book that. I, I if, if, if they're going to build to this, then I'm with you. If not, they need to let it go. Yeah. Um, you know, what's another one of those situations where I don't understand why they're feuding other than they're feuding? Yeah. But, well, also, the thing is, Jericho, because Jericho, like I said, is their top guy, he's got to have a match on the card. So, that's why a lot of times we see him in match. Like, lately, he's been working programs with Orange Cassidy. Then, when they went to full gear, they made it, okay, him and MJF. MJF joins the inner circles. That's another good moment. So, maybe for Revolution, where would we insert Jericho with all the other big things we got going on? Put him in with Daniels. They've never fought before. They can use that as a selling point. They both have years in the decades in the business. I think Daniels might be a little bit longer than Jericho, I possibly. Think, I th- but well, no, dec- uh, they they said they had a, a, a little more than fifty years between the two of them. Jericho has thirty, so, so yeah, Daniels, Jan- Daniels has, has a few less. Yeah, has twenty at least. So there's so there's that. So I'm saying that there's you know they're both they both got decades in the business. Both still at the top of their game. Both can still work. I think what they need to do they need to start treating Jericho as an attraction. He doesn't need to be on every on every dynamite. I think they need to start treating him as an attraction. Like he'll come out and talk, but he's not going to get in the, in the ring with everybody all the time. He needs to be that leader. And people are like, "Why?" But he still he can still go because yeah, he can still go. But he's also at an age where injuries are going to happen. He's getting to that point where you don't want to risk an injury when you can save him for a big match. Okay, I like that. So- it's a different perspective than what you normally have. Well, here's the thing. I'm perfectly okay as long as they are there every show putting on a promo. I'm okay with somebody being in, there, being in that spot. Brock Lesnar, my biggest issue with him is he would take the title and then he would just disappear. Not even show up for a Raw. Never show up at all. So even if he just showed up on a Raw just holding the belt while Paul Heyman talks, you wouldn't care? I, he would be there. He put in the work. You know, maybe have a little segment where he knocks somebody out. Somebody comes in, he hits it at five, it's over. You know, nothing, nothing crazy. Just enough... To show that he's there and he's still dominant. I would have less issue with him. Okay. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the AEW Women's Championship. Anna Jay from the Dark Order. 
They call her 99. I call her the concubine to the exalted one versus Hikaru Shida. I love pretty much any match that fucking Shida is in. <laughs> she puts on a great match. She really is. Especially in a division that does not have great women's matches. It, oh, yeah. Um, so the, uh, and so I, I was very I was very impressed with this match. Of course, Shida did her thing. She hit that knee and won that. <laughs> yeah. She it, it, it's like it's like the uh, the Kinshasa once it's once it's hit you're down. <laughs> much. Yeah, and I also loved it because Anna J really is a great worker. She doesn't get to show it as much because she's and with Sheeta she gets to show it. Yeah, she gets to show how good she really is because Anna J is one of those people that I would love to see with the title just so the just so the Dark Order has another ti- would have another title in their possession. I, I feel would, my biggest issue with the Dark Order right now is what the fuck happened. To Brody Lee. Where is he? I think he's dealing with an injury. Okay. I read somewhere he's dealing with an injury. Let him deal with the injury. He doesn't have to wrestle. He needs to be the leader. Have him do a... Even if it's a fucking little uh, um, vignette promo. You know, where... Uh, one of those... Uh, what, what were you, cinematic promos. You know, where he yeah. doesn't get in the ring, but he still does something. He show, They show him doing something. That, he, they can, that they can put in a very controlled environment. He needs to be for the Dark Order to be taken seriously. He has to be there. Right now, they're not being taken seriously because they have no direction. Yeah, well, they, all they have is Evil Uno, who was given the direction before the Exalted One ever showed up. Right. So Evil Uno was kind of like the second in command always. But it's not going. But they're not even using him well for that in that sense, at the moment. Yeah. It's just they need to have that leadership, and when you when you. I mean, literally, what we see is, oh, I lost a match. Um, the, the, the way it shows is, the way they're showing is, I lost a match, boo-hoo, I'm going to take my ball and go home. That's pretty much what they're showing. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, and I feel like, even if he's dealing with an injury, put him in a, put him in a controlled environment, cinematic setup, make it look like he's still dominating, dominant and he's still in control of the Dark Order. Because right now, it just looks like Dark Order are kind of all, all the members are kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. And for such a. that And this and I loved this faction. This faction had a lot of. Uh, this faction had a lot of potential. Yeah. Uh, but with their leadership disappearing, I feel like they're dropping the ball with it. Very much so. And, and then, of course. Now, as great as this match was, the post match moment. I hate to even talk about this. A bloody-faced Abaddon crawls out to freak Sheeta out. She licks the title with a bloody tongue as the champion looks on. I'm not sure how I feel about this, to be honest with you. I like this dark gimmick. Um, you would be never, the only one. <laughs> I've never seen Abaddon in the ring. I have. Um, so I have. I, you know, I'll hold, I'll, I will withhold my judgment until I've seen her in the ring. Okay, you, you can do that. So, but I, I, as someone who has seen Abaddon in the ring, God, no. Why? Why, for the love of Jesus, why? First of all, it's like, I, it, just the whole thing was weird. Like, I, uh, you, I look at Abaddon, I look at Sheeta, and the only thing about, and, and the fact that Abaddon has a scary gimmick is really the only thing to fear. Literally, from a size standpoint, from a badass standpoint, she should not be scared of this person. Like, you're that freaking close. You could... She's never wrestled in AEW, has she? Abaddon has wrestled in AEW. Has she? She's been on Dark and she's been on TV. And um, when she was on TV, she was god-awful. Yeah, I haven't seen her. I'm just saying, she's not good. 
So Wait, I, you can you can. How long has she been gone? How long has she been gone? God knows how long she's. She was on TV for a little while. She's spending most of her time on AEW Dark. So that's where the majority of her career has she been doing has. it. Has she been doing any better on Dark? Have you been paying attention? Have you been watching? Uh, honestly, I don't even pay attention to Dark. Okay, I, so I maybe know. maybe she went to Dark to hone her craft. Maybe she's getting better. Maybe. We'll uh, see what happens. Yeah, I'll but see. It. I, maybe I just Sheeta know what brings I the, maybe Sheeta brings the best out of her. Maybe. And, and and here's the thing: if she does have a good match, I am gonna give Sheeta most of the credit because she brings out the best in everybody she's works with. Right. But and, if, if, if that if, the thing is, you can only bring out the best. It still has to be there. Yeah. So uh, if they have a great match, you have to give her credit. She had it in her the whole I'll, time. I'll give her the credit if it's a great match. But I'm just saying, I've seen her before. And, oh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. Oh, like I said, Lord. I have never seen her wrestle, so I'm withholding judgment. I And, and, I, and I respect that. I um, want you to. Because we always have... We, 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 we tend to have differing opinions sometimes. So I like that you're reserving your judgment. I'm just giving mine for the listeners. I'm not happy about this. But I do like the gimmick itself. I like these dark gimmicks, um, and I, I, it's kind of a cool thing to see something like between the Boogeyman and it's basically the Boogeyman and Rosemary. Yeah, it's a, DNA. Yeah, and you combine you you put these two together and create this monstrous thing. It's like like normally it's like it's like a, a Becky, uh, not Becky, uh, uh, Alexa Bliss would not be scary if you looked at her, but. You put her with Bray Wyatt and this, give her this creepy ass gimmick that she's got right now, and suddenly she's scary. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, um, Alexa Bliss was actually doing an interview. You want to hear something really funny? You know where she got the idea for that bubbly character in the Funhouse? The big comfy couch. I like it. She yeah. said she watched the big comfy couch and kind of modeled. She said between that and Blue's Clues and maybe one other show, that's how she modeled her character after. That is really cool. I like she that. Got, she got that inspiration, and I was like. <laughs> And then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, that, I do see that. All right, now, Alexa, you got to lay in the middle of the ring and do the whole stretch the legs thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alexa, yeah, Alexa so, so, some of us forgot how to tell time. Can you remind us? <laughs> this damn watch. <sighs> what's this? Okay, there's like, there's, what's, what happens when you put this leg, when, when, when this arm's over here and that arm's over here? Can you show me that? Oh, right. 12.45. Thank you. <laughs> now I see it. <laughs> oh, God. I would, that would be so... You know what would be funny? If at some point, if Alexa Bliss would left WWE and she did the third party thing and got an OnlyFans and did this, I would pay for that so much. <sighs> That'd be great. Um, and on that note, we cut to uh, Matt Hardy. Who is dressed in a suit and calls himself the iconic Matt Hardy. He said 2020 has been rough for everyone. And after his elite deletion match against Sammy Guevara, he has a new lease on life. He wants to motivate viewers to do the same. I actually really love this promo. And here's why. It's combining his broken gimmick with his Matt V1 gimmick. And with the uh, I will not die gimmick all together. He's combining his gimmicks much in the way that Jericho does to reinvent himself once again. Well, technically, this is not really a reinvention. Because he did this in TNA. The iconic Matt Hardy was what he did before he became broken. Oh, see, I've never actually watched that bit. Well, there was a transition with iconic Matt Hardy. What happened was, this is when Matt turned heel in TNA. 
He called himself iconic, and this is basically Matt Hardy showing off the fact that he's made a lot of money in the wrestling business. It was basically like a JBL-type character, only Matt catered it to where he did. Like, he would like he would talk about, like, internet trolls and stuff. Like he, he referred, basically, instead of, he would call the wrestling fans internet nothings. He's like, I am the world heavyweight champion. I am fabulously wealthy, you know. You know, you all jealous because you hate me because you guys can barely make the rent when I can burn money daily like it's firewood because I have so much. Like, that was his gimmick in TNA. Then he had the feud with Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy did that swanton, put him through a table, and he was carried on a stretcher, and then weeks later he came back and slowly built the broken gimmick. Well, so he's done this before. Well, except he's doing it now in a way that he, that he is uh, being inspirational. He's not being the bad guy. He's inspiring is the way he pushed it in this promo. Okay. Because some people thought this was a heelish promo. You didn't really? see that? No, I didn't. He said, if I can do it, you can too. Yeah. I think, I think it was just about pedestrian lives. I think that was where the heel part came in. I mean, it, you could take anything and twist it to be a bad thing. Yes. Um, okay. But I think the general feel of this promo was positive. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see that he's bringing back the iconic Matt Hardy gimmick. I like it because one of the things that uh, Cornette has always said that I disagree with him 1,000% on is the fact that he thinks that Matt Hardy, just being Matt Hardy, the legendary wrestler, can get over. And it's like, no, it can't. Matt needs a personality to get over. Yeah, Matt as himself is kind of dry and... Um... He doesn't have much charisma without it. Yeah. He has to have a character. He plays the character very, very well. When he taps into it, yes. When he's iconic Matt Hardy, it was a great gimmick. Broken Matt Hardy, one of the most over gimmicks in wrestling history. It was the ultimate reinvention. When Matt has a gimmick like this, there is nothing that can stop him. And that makes him world title material. Which I I, I still believe at some point, he needs to run with that belt. Like I said, not right away, but eventually. Down the road. <clears throat> and he definitely has longer... He has longer than uh, Goldust in this sense. He yes. can wait a little bit longer. Goldust, when he gets it, he's got to get it quick. Otherwise, it's going to be an excessively short title run. Yes. Uh, absolutely. So, we got... Um, on that note, we cut to uh, Ricky Starks, who is with Cage and Hobbs. Uh, Starks isn't happy with Cody pissing off Taz. They're happy with getting paid the money they do in AEW, but Cody took it personal to Taz with his comments. Cage then makes it clear that Team Taz is the dominant team in AEW. Tell that to the Bucks who have the championship. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Bucks don't take that lightly. Um, and if Kenny takes the world title, oh, damn. The Elite's got three out of the four main belts that you can get. Yeah, it's interesting. I really feel like the elites as a whole need to go heel. Yeah. And if the elites as a whole went heel, you have all of them together. You have Kenny, the Bucks, and Cody. Well, I've always said that. And then have them run the goddamn Oh, yeah. Well, I've always said that when Cody goes heel, that's when he needs to chase the world title. Problem is, at that point, would Kenny be willing to drop to the TNA title? TNT title, yeah. Yeah, TNT title. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It, it, well, assuming that Kenny lost the belt 
and then eventually went for the TV right. title. Then Cody went heel and went for the world title. I think with Kenny already being a heel and already going after this title, I think that yeah, Cody I, needs to stick with the TNT title. Yeah, well, also, Cody needs to kind of not turn heel for a while. Because even though it looked like he was going to with that Taz comment, but I just think that... Because the thing is, Cody... Because I think at some point, regardless of the never challenging for the title again, I would love to see Cody with the world title. But he can't do it as a babyface. Oh, no. You can't, can't break can't, a promise to fans like that as a face. You can't. That's what I'm saying. If he turns heel, go for that title. That way, he'll have a better title rank. So but, maybe maybe a couple years down the road, yeah. Kenny drops the title... Cody ends up picking it up from somebody else, and then Kenny and you know says, "You know what? I haven't had this title yet." And gets the TNT title. Yeah, because Kenny can, can flip that. Like, okay, I <coughs> I want to get this belt. I'm not. I've already been the tag team champion with Adam Page. I've been the world champion. Let me get the triple crown. Yeah, and then and then and then, and then he may and then and maybe it's or maybe at one point he can even win the FTW championship from Taz. Oh yeah. From uh, Taz, from team Taz. Yeah. I know Brian Cage has it right now. I'm looking forward to seeing whoever takes that from him because that's going to be interesting. But uh, on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening, the butcher and the blade versus Pac and Ray Phoenix. It's an interesting thing seeing, um, Seeing Ray Phoenix on the opposite side because I mean I've got so used to seeing him working with the Butcher and the Blade, his biggest issues were more with Penna than it was the Butcher and the Blade. Yeah, um, and then Penna is the one saving his ass. I absolutely love this though because it's a good swerve. It got it got the um, it got Penna and Ray Phoenix working together again. You got Pac back in the mix again. You got you know so the Death Triangle set up going. You still have a great faction with Eddie Kingston and Butcher and the Blade, so you know that's not gone. Uh, I love these two trios working against each other, and I think if you have Pac and Phoenix working for tag team championships, you could eventually have you could have Penna going after a singles title at the yeah. same time, and but, then have Kingston and Penna feuding over the singles title. Well, yeah, but that's of course assuming that we wouldn't see because uh, I don't know if Pac and Phoenix would be necessarily in a tag team. I feel like. They just got put in that match. I still say I think Pac would probably go for the solo belt while the Lucha Brothers try to win another. I see, I, I see, I see where you're going with it, but at the same time, I think the Lucha Bros have had so much animosity against each other. They're trying to avoid that route again. Okay, like they're they're defending each other because they're blood, but they're not. You know, that doesn't mean all wounds are healed. Oh yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to get an apology when you rip some when you rip a Luchador's mask. <laughs> It's hard to get forgiveness on that one. Like I said, I even thought that was excessive. Even for this feud. So, that, so I can see the point there. But of course, in the end, the Butcher and the Blade uh, hit the Neckbreaker Bomb, get the 1-2-3, so the Butcher and the Blade win the match. Next thing you know, the, vic- the Victors continue their attack, and Eddie Kingston hits not one, but two DDTs on Pac. Uh, Lance, but then all of a sudden, Lance Archer with Jake Roberts comes out, the murder hawk makes the most of the moment, goes to choke on the hell out of Eddie, but it's but uh, but his compatriots save him. Lance gets some further attacks in before Eddie's family bails, and the show ends. We have Lance Archer making a face turn. That's what I get out of this. Yeah. Um. My biggest issue with this is less that he's making get a face turn, but more of a. 
Why in this situation? What does he have to do with any of these guys? Well, I know him and Eddie had, you know, stare downs for a while, but nothing like major. Nothing right. to really think about. Right. Like they were kind of getting into arguments and stuff. Because Eddie was like talking about never being eliminated from the Battle Royal, which was the Battle Royal that Murderhawk won to get the title shot against Moxley. So there was that issue. Also, I do want to say props to Jake Roberts because the last time I saw him, like recently, a few months ago in an interview, he had this like, uh, he was wearing, he had an oxygen tank with him because he had some kind of like lung problems and he had to like, he needed an oxygen tank to breathe. Yeah. And if he didn't have it on for a certain period, if he took it off for a certain period of time, he would just not be able to breathe. He was dependent on it. So I don't know if Jake was like using a lot of it backstage and then took it off for camera because he's not going to come out with that tank. Right. I know Jake, he's too proud for that shit. But I don't know if that was the brief moment where like, okay, I think I can make it through this now because I've had the tank on for a long time or if he's fully off it completely. But I was just glad to see that just yeah. from a health standpoint. I don't know if he had to like, once, 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 once Dynamite went out there and they went to the back, it was like putting the tubes back in or what. But either way, I'm glad he's at least at the point where he doesn't drive that out there on camera. Because, like I said, Jake is too proud to do that. And with all due respect to Jake Roberts, I would not want him to come out with that. Oh, absolutely not. It completely goes away with his mystique. Exactly. Um, and I'm definitely, I mean, Jake has had a lot of health problems over the years. Um, a lot of it doing to his drug use. and Yes, which, you know, like I said, it, he's been clean and sober for yeah. years, almost but. eight years. But that's still it's still the health problems don't go away that yeah. easy. <laughs> you might the, the problem might go away, but the long term effects are still there. Yeah, like that was a factor with like for example when Warrior passed away, a lot of that was heart problems. A lot of that was because of steroids and stuff. Now, granted, he hadn't taken steroids in forever, but the long term effects were still there. Yeah, the steroids caused the heart problems. So <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. So I'm just saying, even though he's clean, Jake's clean, and we're happy he's clean, those long term effects are still there, and also. He did mention cigarettes as a thing as well. So yeah, we, we, but we'll see what happens here. Um, I hope I hope that he is to the point where he doesn't need it and he can make make these appearances without it. Um, but yeah, I'm just I said I I, I want to see what they do with Lance Archer because they didn't give him a chance to explain. He just came out and made the save, and it's just a it, to me it felt like weird timing. Yeah, it really did. It felt like a lot of weird timing, and you know it was very weird to see, and I. It's one of those things where it kind of ended on an awkward cliffhanger, you know, and just kind of like seeing something interesting there from that regard. So I want to see more of what it's going to make Lance Archer interesting because a lot of people have had interest and lost interest and had interest and lost interest. Lance Archer's gone up and down. And, and for me, the the biggest reason that is very much a creative problem. Oh, yes. And now keep in mind, I know they don't have the same type of creative issue with WWE, but they still do tend to have a bit of a continuity issue with um, pushing storylines. Yes. And it's like, I understand that, you know, if a storyline is failing, you got to do it, but you still have to have an ending to it. Yes. Um, <laughs> you can't just drop it off the ball. That, that's been an issue. I mean, even WWE's done that a few times where they just kind of drop the ball with something. Like, uh, for example, uh, a pro- Eric Rowan and the damn spider. Yeah. Like, they could have done so much more with that, they just dropped it. Well, yeah, not well. In a way, they did wrap it up. It was just a shitty ending because because when they finally pulled it out of there, it looked stupid as hell. It looked yeah. it looked fake. You knew that was a fake. Spider. Well, not only that, fucking he uh, was was Eric Rowan scared of spiders? Because I'm telling you right now, a Goliath bird eater spider, you can get that thing onto your hand, and it's huge. People will be terrified of it, 
And you can have a real one that walked up and down his arm. Didn't cause a single thing a problem. Yeah. I've had one literally standing on my head. Yeah. Some people have a genuine fear of spiders. I know they so, I mean, out. But if that if he was scared of that, then they could have used any other creature. You know, maybe maybe Eric Rowan has a phobia of spiders. Maybe. So use another creature. Use another creature. But have something that he's not scared of that's genuinely scary in that freaking cage. Yeah. That would be like Jake coming out with a fake-ass snake. Right. That would have killed everything. Yeah, if Jake had come out with a fucking... With, with a stuffed fucking anaconda around his neck, people have been like, who is this fucking dumbass? Exactly. He came out with a real fucking python. Yeah, and all they did was get defanging a little bit and then get... Pythons don't have fangs. Or de... Well, they did something with like the venom sacks they did, or something like... Pythons he, don't have venom. He... The, he didn't always have pythons. Sometimes he had cobras. He had something that had venom. They had to remove venom sacks and fill them with silicone so they wouldn't regrow him. He said this in an interview. Oh, maybe he had an actual rattlesnake. Yeah, and he's that's had, possible. He's had rattlesnakes. He's had he's had different types. There's occasionally he used to have pythons, but they kept biting him and he kept getting stitches. So he switched to like a cobra or he switched to something else. Or... See, cobras and rattlesnakes are more aggressive than. <laughs> well, well, what I'm saying was the fang, the python teeth would like get into him, and you have to get like stitches. Yeah, I mean, if a python bites just, you, they got they got some, some they, would just feel like they're chewing on you. Yeah, so the, when they would bite, but they would say like they had to take out the venom sacks and fill and fill them with silicone, otherwise they would regrow them. Yeah, so they had to do that to protect them. That's why like the big story with Jake Roberts was when him and Randy Savage had that match in '91, and he sat in the locker room with Macho Man. And Randy came in, he's like doing his whole thing like, all right, Jake, we're going to do the deal tonight. He goes, yeah, he goes, we're going to take care of a little business first. He's like, okay, he goes, about the snake. He's like, okay, he goes, has he been fixed or not? And he's like, what do you mean, like, is he poisoned? He goes, yeah, I think that might be a problem. He goes, Randy, of course he's been fixed. We're doing a job. He goes, and Randy literally goes, maybe he hasn't, maybe he hasn't. And he's like, you know, and he had this whole conspiracy about how he thought, like, he's like, you know, that snake's, you got some kind of fishy business going on. He's like, wait a minute, you honestly think I'm going to bring a poisonous snake to the ring to bite you, then you get poisoned, then you die, and I become the Intercontinental Champion? And he's like, I don't know, stranger things have happened. He goes, he goes, I'm Jake, I'm just telling you like this, for me to feel comfortable, I need that snake to bite you right now. And let's see if you don't get sick. And if nothing happens, I'll do it later. So he's literally making him in the locker room pull out this snake. And he said, "I'm gonna fu- we're going to fight right now if you don't take this snake. So Jake had to take out this snake, agitate it, and make it bite his leg. So it bites his leg. And he's like, now don't move. Don't take no antidotes or any pills. You just sit there. And he watched him for 10 minutes. And after 10 minutes, Jake was fine. No poison. He's like... Yeah, the only thing you really got to worry about with most of these snakes is they do carry a lot of uh, uh, bacteria in their mouth. Yeah. So infection is a is a is a genuine concern. But he was more concerned. He wanted me to see if he was because he figured after ten minutes, I'm like, okay, he's not gonna. He's like, guess you're gonna be okay. He's like, sorry to make you fucking happy. And he's like, all right. So after he bites me, bring him back. I may want you to hook it again because I want to make sure this angle works. So they does it. So they go out to the ring. Savage is tied in the ropes. Jake gets the snake. 
And when Randy's not looking, Jake pulls the snake out and he paint brushes the crap out of it. He pisses it off. Pisses it off. <laughs> so when he gets, because he's mad at the fact that he made him bite him, he's like, I'm not, the fact that Randy was so fucking paranoid, he made him have to force this snake to bite him. He's like, fuck you. So he basically says, so now he takes the snake. That's why if you go back and watch, the snake's rattling like crazy and he's trying to get over to him. Because he's pissed off. So now he's getting a snake over there. That's why you go back and watch. He's rattling all over the place. Finally, he latches on to Randy Savage and he will not let go. <laughs> he will not let go. And he, Randy is screaming and he's loud and he's, for a shoot, he's pissed. He's like screaming. He's like, Randy, you're doing so well. Like, fuck, this hurts. Like, he's trying to get off. Finally, they had to, people were coming out trying to help. He probably had to pry his mouth open to get him off. So he said, after that, he said, bring him back. I may want you to hook it again. He, so he brings it back, and Randy's yelling at him, Get that motherfucker away from me! <laughs> I was like, Get that fucking thing away from me! I don't want to... And Randy's like... And Randy gets up, and he's trying to swing. Like, he's trying to make it sound like he's been poisoned when he has it. But in the back of his mind, he's, like, pissed off, and everybody else doesn't want to touch it. Like, Liz doesn't want to touch it. Piper... They said Piper out there. Piper's scared of snakes. <laughs> he told a story once. Piper pulled the gun on him. Because Jake was trying to... Jake was trying to be an asshole in the locker room, like, be a smart ass, and try to prank him with the snake. He's like, hey, Roddy. Roddy turns around, pulls that gun, goes, motherfucker, get that thing away from me or I will blow your goddamn brains. He's like, all right, Roddy, put it in the bag. Jesus. Jake was freaking out. And Jake's like, man, I'm used to these damn things. You're fucking... He's like, because Piper's scared of snakes. So he was... And the thing is, like I said, it's not poisonous. So Jake's just trying to be funny. But when he saw that gun, he's like, all right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he put it in the bag and he tied it back up. He's like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So funny. So obviously, like, you know, they could have did something better with that storyline. Obviously, but obviously they made, it made it work. And like I said, when it came out, like, dude, keep in mind, this is like Saturday night's main event in 91. So like, this is like, you know, back when WWE was supposed to be like kid friendly and you just see all this blood coming out of Randy's arm because that snake latched on to him. Like he's, there's blood all over the mat and Randy Savage again is trying to swing at Roberts, but he's trying to pretend like he can't hit him because he's been poisoned. So he's trying to sell you he's been poisoned. He's like, ah, it's so crazy, man. It was like. Back then, back then that was that was that was violence in WWE back then. Like today, because we've seen so much of it, we'd probably be like, "Ah, oh, it's pretty cool." Back then, kids were like traumatized. You know what I would think if I saw that today? I'm like, "That's animal abuse." What the fuck are you doing to my fucking snake? Fuck you. <laughs> but he said like he paintbrushed it because Randy pissed him off because he was so mad about that. But but they were off to the races, so. Uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up uh, this week's ep- this week's recap of AEW. But before we officially wrap up, we do have to get into our uh, ranking system here. And this week's AEW rankings, as of Wednesday, November 25th, 2020, we have the AEW World Champion John Moxley at 21-0. We got the TNT Champion Darby Allen at 14-5. Number one ranked, the man who will be facing Moxley next week, Kenny Omega at 7-0. We've got MJF at 10-1. Number three is Cody Rhodes at 23-1. and one. 20 wins, three losses, one draw. Uh, you got Brian Cage at 11-1. and one, And Ricky Starks at 13-2. And, and that's the current men's rankings. We've now got the women's rankings. We have Hikaru Shida, the AEW Women's Champion, at 20-1. and one. We got, number one, we got Big Swole at 13-4. and four. Nyla Rose at 12 and 3, Serena Deeb at 4 and 2, Penelope Ford at 11 and 5, and Anna Jay who fought for the title at 4 and 3. And now we've got the tag team rankings. Of course, the tag team champions are the Young Bucks at 11 and 3, 
Number one ranked is still FTR at 12 and 1. Number two is the Best Friends at 18 and 7. We've got the Natural Nightmares at 9 and 2. Jurassic Express at 13 and 5. And Evil Uno and Stu Grayson of the Dark Order at 13 and 2. And those are our rankings for AEW. The Luchasaurus needs to be a higher ranked. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, as a tag team, they haven't been fighting much. And I've noticed that. And that kind of bugs me out a little bit because I absolutely uh, love them as a tag team. I mean, I, Jungle Boy is... I, I think Jungle Boy himself is a great wrestler. Yes. Um, and I, he doesn't talk. Like I, I don't see him talk like hardly at all. He's only done a few promos in his career. Um, he hasn't so, talked much. Luchasaurus has done the majority of the talking. Yeah, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Jack Perry has cut a few promos, but not a lot. I, um, I feel like he needs more... He's Maybe he needs to develop more mic skills, definitely, because the more promo time he has, the more likely they are to become... to climb up the ladder in the tag division. Well, I mean, you only if, as a tag team, you only need one talker. Let's be honest here. I mean, let's, let's, let's look, look at all the great... Like, Cesaro didn't do much of the talking. That was Sheamus. Yeah. You know, it was... It, you had... You, you have... You don't. You only need one talker. The other guy is as long as the other guy is does his job in the ring. Yeah. Then they make a good tag team. Well, yeah. I mean, if you have somebody, if you have someone's a better talker, they do the majority of the talking. But every now and then, you need a tag team partner to chime in a little bit. Oh yeah, you can chime in, but he, you know, he's not the one cutting the promo. Exactly. Right? <laughs> you have the guy who leads the promo, and then the other guy that kind of chimes in with something to say. You know, you gotta you gotta have that dynamic. That way, it's not just because that's the difference between like a guy and a manager or something like that. You need somebody, you need to feel like that's a team talking. So, I'm just saying, if they have that going on, if you got one guy who's clearly better, let them take the lead, but at some point, the tag team guy's got to jump in. You can't right. just be silent. I'm with you on that. I'm, de- I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you at that, at that extent. Yes. So, that is our rankings for this week, and uh, that'll include this AEW segment here. Desmond, as always, I thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, join me this week. Obviously, I look forward to next week... Uh, Talking some AEW, and obviously we'll be uh, getting back into D and D. Absolutely, um, we'll have a session this uh, this week. I'm I'm thinking that uh, we're gonna have two new members this week. Actually, um, if not if not this week, then on the next one that we uh, we do. But uh, I'm I'm gonna try to have them set up the, for this uh, this week. Absolutely. And uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll take a short break here. When we come back, John Tumlin will be here for the recap of NXT, and we share some special. Uh, We got one little teaser and one big surprise included in this NXT uh, recap. So stick around. We shall return right after this. Well, I went to work with her that summer. Teenage kids were popping on. She was a lovely little woman. Helping to make it on her own. We were a thousand miles from nowhere. Feels as far as I can see. Both needing something from each other. Not knowing yet what that might be. Here she came to me one evening. I kept coffee and smile. In a dress that I was certain. She hadn't wanted quite a while. There was difference in her laughter. There was softness in her eyes And it 
During the break, we played the song That Summer by Garth Brooks. However, as you can clearly tell, that was not Garth Brooks singing that song. That was actually a cover version done by our singer-songwriter and AEW correspondent Desmond Dagenhart. And if you would like to hear more music from Desmond Dagenhart, check out his music Facebook page, facebook.com slash Desmond Dagenhart, D-E-S-M-O-N-D. D-A-G-E-N-H-A-R-T. Also, you can like the page. You can check out all his music. He's got original songs as well. As I mentioned before, he's also a songwriter. He's got a lot of covers on there. And if there's a specific song request that you have that you would like for him to cover, feel free to message him or comment on one of his many, many posts. 
and feel free to let him know which song you would like for him to cover. If he already knows it, he'll make a video and dedicate it just to you. If he doesn't know it, he'll take the time to learn it, which it might take him a while, and he'll give you updates uh, throughout. And once he learns the song, he will play it, put a video up, and dedicate it specifically to you. So make sure you guys check out Desmond's music at Facebook.com slash Desmond Dagenhart, D-E-S-M-O-N-D-D-A-G-E-N-H-A-R-T. Also, of course, feel free to use that as an opportunity to book him to perform at an event near you. And that was Desmond Dagenhart's cover of That Summer by Garth Brooks here on the Boochcast. All right, and now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the recap of NXT. And, of course, joining me once again here on the Boochcast, he is the NXT correspondent. Great friend of mine, great mind for wrestling. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. And even better that he's here in studio. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back the one, the only, Mr. John Tumblin. Vinny, Vinny, ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you so much for having me back. It's, uh... It's been a long day. We spent a lot of time together, Vinny, and yes, uh, we did. I mean that in as a creative and uh, obscure way as everyone wants to think about that. Hey, how we doing? Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, um, obviously, you know, we, we can't divulge too much information, but we did mention last week towards the end that we've been working on a very, John and I have been working on a very special project. Well, I'm happy to announce the majority of it has been filmed. We still got a few more things we're working on. We got... Some behind-the-scenes stuff, some extra things. They, they call it B-roll footage in the industry. Mm-hmm. Got a few more things to, to pan out. But once we have it edited, we will have it out to you guys, and it will be on the Boochcast YouTube channel very soon. We're not going to give anything away. Just know it's going to be exciting. So make sure you guys subscribe to the Boochcast YouTube channel now so you can get to it. And, of course, we are going to have a video up there, hopefully within the next couple days. We also had our Survivor Series watch party recently. Yes, we did. Yeah, and man. Uh, pretty much, I already have that. Ar- well, it's archived on Twitch already. Yes. Uh, well, that is unless DMCA took it down. I haven't checked, but the, the last time I looked in it, uh, a day or two ago, the archive is still there. Um, we just need to, or I pretty much just need to get you the raw file. Yeah. You can uh, you can chop together pieces because nobody wants to sit there and watch a uh, a three and a f- hour forty five minute. Uh, just literally us sitting there on the couch. So uh, <laughs> we can chop it up a little bit to hit the high points, but otherwise, yeah, it, yeah. It, it will be the first YouTube video. Yes, and that is the goal we're going to have. Now, obviously, we talked about this briefly after we were done filming everything because yep. obviously we have more Twitch content we want to bring. We have more YouTube content we want to bring, but we also mentioned that as far as the pay-per-view watch parties go, we're just gonna do the big four. We're yes. not gonna do it. So, can I talk about that? Should we do TLC? But we agreed. Let's stick to the big four. Make it special. Yeah. So, our next watch party will be in January for the Royal Rumble. Now, however, I will say WrestleMania is questionable. Yeah. The reason I say that is because, as we know, originally WrestleMania this year was this coming year, 2021, was gonna be in Hollywood, California. Well, now there are rumors speculating. That they're going to give Tampa another shot because of COVID. And I've already spoken to Elvis. I've already spoken to Desmond. If WrestleMania comes back to Tampa, we're going. And I'll be there for TakeOver. You're going to Tampa Bay? If if they do a TakeOver and they're allowed people, yeah. I will be there because I already had tickets last year. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to fork over the money again. 
and I want to see Takeover in person. I do too, I do too man. And uh, we, Elvis and I are working out the details on that. So obviously, if there is a WrestleMania in Tampa, we will be there. But we will be, we might shoot a couple things along the way, kind of give you guys some content. But we won't be able, we're not going to, we're not going to do a, we're not going to live, we're not going to live stream the show while we're at dinner Tampa for, Bay. We'll do a dinner for six type of thing. Dinner, yeah, di we'll dinner, in Tampa. We'll dinner for five, unless you got a third person coming with you. Okay, dinner for five. Yeah, dinner so, okay. for five. Yeah, yeah. So most likely be a dinner for five kind of thing, because because uh, I know it's gonna be me, Elvis, and Desmond, because that was the original plan for Tampa. Yep. But you know, so that's what we're gonna do. So it'll probably be dinner for five kind of thing. But of course, we're going to be doing that kind of content. But if WrestleMania is in Hollywood, California, then we will do a WrestleMania watch party because we're not gonna go to California. Not against California, just not gonna make. The I'm trip. not going that far. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm not going that far either. I ain't got that kind of money on me. So. That's what we're just letting y'all know. It'll be the big four, WrestleMania being the exception. We'll come back for the sum for SummerSlam and all that. So that's where we're going to be going as far as wrestling watch parties go. So I just want to give you all an update on that. Now, that being said, uh, we got some NXT to get into oh, right yeah, now. We do. This is a uh, this was the go home, go home show for War Games. So yes, the second to last. This was uh th this honestly was a, a a ton of storytelling. Yeah. Which which I don't hate. Um, I don't like a couple things on here, which obviously we'll get into. Yeah. But uh, I think, as a whole, this was a decent little episode. Definitely a fantastic main event. We'll a get to it though. Absolutely. When we kick things off, we had a special um a guest on uh, NXT this week. Uh, yeah. Usually, usually Wade Barrett is the commentator alongside mm -hmm. I think Vic Joseph. I think it is. Yep. Um, this time Kevin Owens was yeah. the commentator, and I gotta ask John. I have my opinions, but I'll get yours first. How'd you feel about Kevin Owens on the commentary? Uh, he was, in my opinion, just a little flat. Yeah. Um, he... I won't say it was bad, because very clearly, even even Kevin Owens' flat is better than Beth Phoenix. Yes. <laughs> um, I think we can and, agree on that. And it's been, it's been long enough now. We have given Beth Phoenix a Hall of Famer that she is. I take nothing away from her in the ring. Absolutely nothing. I, she's not a good commentator. Um, I don't think she adds a lot to it, and I kind of felt bad for Vic Joseph this episode. He he literally put the entire commentary on his back and carried the whole thing. Yeah, and I can respect him for that. Me too, because I'll be honest, I did not enjoy Kevin Owens on commentary, and I'm like, look, I like him in the ring. I even like when he's cutting promos, and we'll get yeah. to that later, yeah. but something about commentary, people don't understand how different that is. It's way different than being in the ring cutting a promo. Oh yeah, and 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 Kevin Owens, in my opinion, does not shine in that environment. That's well, not really. A, he might not yet. I this, mean, he can always get better. This may have been a practice run for him. Yeah, I mean, if he if he sits down, if he gets this is the type of thing where he needs to sit down with other commentators and go over stuff, have critique. This is this is a moment where you need a Jr. Yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. Michael Cole obviously is the next best thing because people can say whatever they want about Michael Cole. He does know how to do the job. Oh, it, it, he's, well, yeah, just like you said, whatever whatever the general audience says about, about my, my, uh, Michael Cole, he legitimately hits every point that you give him to hit. Hey, uh, there's got to be an advertisement here for PlayStation. They're a sponsor. You got to hit um, the the upcoming pay-per-view, which is War Games. He, you know what I mean? He And he will hit it, and he will hit it flawlessly every single show. I don't agree with some of the crap, you know, every single time, boss time, you know, all that stuff. But you know yeah. what? It gets the crowd and the audience at home hyped, and 
he does an he does an amazing job. He really does. Yeah. So he obviously, so luckily they got Michael Cole to be there to at least kind of tutor Kevin Owens and teach him what he can do. You know, because obviously he's not going to be a play-by-play guy. He's going to be the color commentator because wrestlers are always brought in to do color. Oh, yeah. They're never there to do play-by-play. Yep. Now they're saying they can't. This is not their forte. They get, that's usually what they do. They find a legit broadcaster with a broadcasting background to do play-by-play. Yeah. And they get a color guy that's a wrestler because A, they've been in the ring. B, they can, they're, they're wacky and zany personalities. Yep. And they work. That's what color people usually do. You and- bring flair to the, to the serious stuff. And they know the moves. Exactly. Yeah. Which, which was, I'll be honest, that was helpful for me yeah. in the beginning. When I first started doing commentary, it was, uh, granted, I was the I was the color guy for whatever reason, because, but the play-by-play guy, I had this guy, Dan Sawyer, who used to wrestle. Yeah. So a lot of the things that I didn't know, he knew. He filled in. He filled in. Like, I, I brought, basically, I brought, like, the excitement. I brought the, I knew some of the names and stuff. And then whatever I didn't know, that's where he jumped in. And we had amazing chemistry. Granted, he was let go from the company, but... Before when he was there, we had great chemistry with each other. Yeah, and we won. And he wanted. And the thing is, he wanted me to get better too. Yeah, like we literally would sit on the phone like three days for a pay per view and be like, "Okay, here's what I think we're lacking. Here's what I think we're not lacking. Here's what we're doing." Like he would really coach with me, and that's then. good. That's yeah. that's so good. Like he because he wanted this to work, and I honestly felt like we could have been if we had stayed together the best broadcast team in indie wrestling. I, I would put the two of us up against any commentators of any independent wrestling organization. And that's just indie. I'm not talking WWE or AW or NXT. Maybe someday we could match them. But I'm talking about just indie wrestling in general. The, nobody could have touched the two of us. So it was a tough loss. But obviously we've gotten through it over time. But I'm, I just want to make that point. But anyway, on that note, we get to our first official match of the evening. We have Ember Moon versus Candice LeRae with Indy Hartwell. Uh, so first off, let's, let's like legitimately start here. Um, I still hate Ember Moon's new entrance. Um, I miss the old one. I don't know what was wrong with the old one. I got real hyped with the old one. Now, I mean, I know the old one was this whole like vampire, uh, werewolf thing she had going on. It was very, it was very Twilighty, whatever. I don't care. I like the song better. I could care less the gimmick. But the song was way better than than what the hell she's doing now. Yeah. Now now she comes out with this like she has like a like a shamanistic um like wolf head and she's got a little like a little furry tail like she's going to the furry convention afterwards. By the way, <laughs> by the way, nothing wrong with that. You everyone do whatever the hell you're into. By the way, um, but I'm just saying it looks weird as like a wrestling gimmick. Yeah, it's, it's just different. It's, it's just different. It's very different. And um, it, it's very different. Uh, but but otherwise, uh, this match this match was a perfectly good TV match. Now, I liked in the beginning how they really put over Ember Moon because Ember Moon at one point sort of knocks Candice LeRae down, goes out of the ring, like right hooks the shit out of Indy Hartwell. Just what just just she's done literally the rest of the match she's literally holding her jaw or kareen down really sold it well um but eventually as you obviously know because uh i will give nxt credit they at least attempt to build stories better than raw and smackdown yeah um you at least gotta be you at least gotta start building a story build the players for war games exactly and can uh dakota kai and raquel gonzalez 
come down. Yep. And through some great interference, uh, Candice LeRae ends up picking the win here, uh, picking up the win. But the important part is what happened after. Oh, I got to talk about this. Go ahead. Because I love this. Here's, and I'll tell you why I love it. So after the match, the girls attack Ember Moon. Yep. So we got the three girls right there. And we're thinking, because I'm looking at this, I'm seeing Raquel Gonzalez, I'm seeing Dakota Kai, I'm seeing Candice LeRae, and I'm seeing Indy Hartwell. Yep. In my mind, that's the War Games team right that's there. That's the four right there. I'm yep. thinking that's the four. So all of a sudden... The girl we now dub that ass, which now has two meanings, Tony Storm, runs down to ringside, helps out Ember Moon. Storm tells Moon they're gonna team up, take out the heels. The Moon, Ember, they're running down there. Ember Moon slides into the ring. Tony Storm pulls her immediately back out, tosses her into the ring steps, laughs as she tosses Moon back in the ring to let everyone destroy her. Gonzalez then hits Moon with her one arm power bomb, and out she goes. Yep. Here's why I love this. Because usually when someone is doing a heel turn or a double cross, nine times out of ten, if you're a wrestling analyst like us, you can see it coming. Oh, yeah. You can totally see it coming. Like two people like get in the ring and they're st- and the guy's got the chair and he's staring them down. If they stare long enough, you know eventually they're going to turn around and hit that other person with the chair. Yep. You can see it coming and time it. What I'm liking about NXT, and I'm going to bring up Finn Balor in a second as another example... The fact that, okay, they're both running to the ring at the same time. Ember Moon slides in the ring. Tony Storm quickly grabs her legs and pulls her out. I didn't see that coming. Well, but at the same time, Vinny, you also don't know yet whether the pullback out is a heel move. Because at the same time, when you look at that objectively, that's still four on two or four on three at, at best, right? Yeah. At Like, literally, right when she pulled her out. Obviously, very shortly after she throws her into the steel steps, we know what's going to happen, right? I'm just saying. Yeah. Hypothetically, would you also have either thought, oh, this is totally appropriate. Tony Storm pulls her back to wait a second for Shotzi Blackheart's music to hit. Yeah. Right. That That's a good point. That also could have happened and could have worked. But instead, we got what actually did happen. Yes. So we got this moment. And the other example, like when Finn Balor, when it was... Him, uh, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa when they were going up against, I think it was the Undisputed Era. Yeah. And Balor goes to take off his jacket, but then hits that Pele kick. Yeah. With Gargano, and you're like, and you were like, wait, what? What just happened? Because you didn't spend that. That was another shocker, and I like things like that. Mm-hmm. I like when I when I see a heel turn that I don't see coming in a unique way that's never been done before. That's genius to me, because. Like I said, we've all seen the chair shot turn. We've all seen the moment where you're waiting for the guy to get up and you just tackle the other person or whatever. You, there's moments where you can look and go, that's a heel turn right there. I did not see it coming. I did not expect that. And that's why I say that ass now has two, two different meanings because, you know, we're thinking that ass and Ember Moon's thinking that ass. Right. Now. <laughs> that ass just threw me into the ring steps. Now, I will say final uh, final point here. Um, Rhiannon absolutely hated this. Ooh. She hated this because at one point in WWE, or at least in NXT, we had almost no women that were heels. Other than Shayna Baszler, you had almost no other women who were heels. Like, like, think about that. During that time, right? Then, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, 
Candice LeRae went heel. Andy Hartwell's heel. You know what I mean? We now have a we now have a good group of heel women. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Tony Storm turns and is another heel. Now we of course will talk about what happened later, but this at the time because it was the opening segment of the show confused Rhiannon because she's like, well, I don't I don't understand why why did she go heel? Now it's five versus one. Because exactly. if I, if you, because remember, we don't know about Indy Hartwell yet. Yes. So at the time, Tony, that, that's why I ring in and hated this when she first saw it. She was like, what, what the hell sense does that make? We now have five women who are heels. Like you already have four there. Okay. Now, obviously that changed later. We'll get into it. But yes. So of course, um, and then of course we have Legato, Legato del Fantasma. They're going, they said they're going to, you know. Get a lot of things done. They're rebuilding Lucha Libre in their image. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but I'll yeah. be honest. Um, again, I'm loving this gimmick oh, that yeah. they have here. Oh, yeah. They, they, it gets better and better every week. It does. And um, I was totally okay. I was totally okay with not seeing them wrestle this week. Because unlike Raw and SmackDown, I love that NXT will give us a match between a wrestler that we all love to see. But it might be two more weeks till we see them again. That isn't a bad thing. I like it because it really does make me get pop when that person comes out. Do you, like, I mean, I mean, honestly, he's the freaking SmackDown champion. Do you, do you freaking care when Roman's Reign music hits? Because, because you are guaranteed to see him every single week. Now, I, I know literally we all bitched for months, years about Brock Lesnar being a part-time champion. Yeah. I'm not saying be part-time, but like, like I mean, as an example, like in in the segment where like that is coming up next with Undisputed Era, like I'll, we'll segue into that. Literally, the Undisputed Era, we saw them last week jump out for like um, that little beatdown or like revenge beat up. When, when was the last time you saw the Undisputed Era? It it's been a month, just about. It it's been a month. The uh, the literally the last time they were even mentioned was because uh, he, Pat McAfee was burning the undisputed era flag, and they didn't even come out then. So, what what I mean is, it was really really good to to basically not see them wrestle because it makes me miss it and get excited the next time you hear their music. Yeah, and of course we did hear their music as the undisputed era made their way to the ring and. Yep. Adam Cole says, if the Undisputed Era looks dead to anyone, Pat McAfee claims the Undisputed Era is dead. This isn't the first time someone has thought that, but it will never happen. Cole says he can't wait to be face-to-face with McAfee. Cole can't wait until McAfee is trapped in the match that the Undisputed Era made famous in NXT. Mm -hmm. They have to focus on tonight's War Games Advantage match. O'Reilly says he needs to face Pete Dunne tonight. Cole says Dunne is going to face an angry Kyle O'Reilly. This is a different Kyle O'Reilly at War Games. McAfee and company will face a different Undisputed Era. Cole says they're going to make sure their opponents are never the same again. Um, look, I don't know why they even let anyone else on Undisputed Era talk. Adam Cole is so freaking good. Like, it does not matter what you tell him to go out there and say. It doesn't matter if you give him a fully pre-written script and say, here you go, this is exactly what you're saying. He will find a way to make it just so charismatic, believable, and damn it, I love Adam Cole. Yeah. I mean, it was a great segment. I love the fact that he... And there's two things I liked about this segment. The fact that 
Adam Cole said, you know, Pat, I gave you credit. You you kind of beat us at our you tried to beat us at our own game. So we did. I like that because he didn't hide from the fact that they've done the sneak attacks. Yep. They've done. They, they're they're hiding the fact that they've done this shit before. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to come out. Clearly, they're the baby faces. We've established that clearly. But they're not coming out and pretending they were never heels that did heel shit. Yes. So I liked that part. I also like when they said made famous. And he wrote in NXT. I was like, thank you. Yeah. Because if they had said this is the match we made famous, I know every WCW guy would have been like, uh, fuck y'all. But he paid respect to it. He did. He said we made it famous in NXT, and I'm like. That I agree with. Yeah. Because it was famous way before y'all had jobs. Right. That has been a legendary match. So, but I will, so I liked those two things. And I liked the fact that they said, like, you know, they said, we're going to have the advantage match. The Undisputed Era is undefeated in this match. Yes. Because y'all were heels. Yep. You were heels. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You're now baby faces. Because here's the thing about the advantage match, and we're going to get to, and I know I'm kind of giving things away, but screw it. We'll still talk about the match later. Uh, the thing about the, the advantage match is, the advantage always, and I hate to say it, but it's predictable, and it and this is one of the few things that is predictable, but needs to be. Yep. The heels always get the one-man advantage. Yep. And the reason they always get the one-man advantage is because that's how they get their heat. Yep. By double-teaming on the one guy. You have the two guys in the cage, the heel comes out, they jump the guy, they're giving him all this stuff, they're getting their heat and everything else. Then, their comeback is when the baby face comes in next, he cleans house, makes the comeback, Heel comes back, it's, it goes, it's heat, comeback, heat, comeback, heat, comeback. Yep. It's wrestling 101, and it works every time. Yep. That's why, and the thing is, if by the time you get to the last guys, you know who's coming, and it's usually the guy you want to go last. I'm already going to tell you, I don't, I don't even have to book this match to know who's going to be the last guy in the cage. Pat McAfee's the last guy in that damn cage. For the heels. Yeah. For the heels. Yeah. He will be the, and, and be, yeah, so he's going to be the last guy in for the heels. And, I already, and, I, and I'm betting, and this is what they should do, Adam Cole needs to be the last guy. He, he really needs to be. Because by that time, they need to have taken down all the Undisputed Era. There are three guys in the corner stomping away at him. Pat McAfee's kind of celebrating, doing his thing. All of a sudden, out comes Adam Cole. And then those two slugging it out in the ring, and just the two of them get their hands on each other. That is a great way to book this. Now, as far as who comes in first or second or third or whatever, figure that out. I would probably do if if it was me. This is how I would book the War Games match. First two guys in, Pete Dunne, Roderick Strong. That's how it started. Uh, after tonight, I would put put Pete Dunne against Kyle O'Reilly. Okay. To just to they already had a match. We know they work well together, which obviously we'll talk about. I would be okay with putting them together. No, it it would have to be that way because then you 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 could put Roddy and Fish against well. Uh, Lorkin and Birch just yeah. in succession. Exactly, yeah. And then, and then the two leaders be last. Okay, because I always kind of felt like, because I always felt like Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong had unfinished business with that. Ooh. Because keep in mind, Pete Dunne joined this team because, because of what of the, Roddy did to him. They so have I'm mentioned saying, that in a promo. Yes, so I would say put those two in first. Okay, all right. I, I feel and then, that one. then bring it. then you bring in uh, Lorkin or Birch, then bring in Kyle O'Reilly, then bring in the other guy. Then bring in Bobby Fish. Then in comes Pat McAfee, and then Adam Cole. Yeah, all right. There you go. That's I, I would do that personally because I feel like they need to make a callback to that. Yeah, we need to. We need Pete Dunne and Roger Strong to kill each other in there just to make reference to that fact. Because I want to see at some point. I want to see the babyface side of Roger Strong justify that. Mm-hmm. I want to see at some point there needs to be a promo where that happens. 
And I, I'm surprised there hasn't been. But I want to see that. But anyway, I know we're getting a little off topic here, but whatever. Uh, we got... So backstage, Candice LeRae introduces her War Games team. It is her, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and Tony Storm. Yep. Storm says she told everyone that when she came to NXT, it was going to be a new Tony Storm. Yep. And uh, that's all fine and dandy that you have a heel team. Like, honestly, all fine and dandy. Who the fuck is even the leader of the other team? Uh, the other team? It's supposed to be Shotzi. Uh, supposed to be? They've said literal nothing. She, she, has, on... she, has, she, has, she hasn't been on TV. She hasn't been on TV. I mean, I'm just saying that's what they've advertised. But right. She hasn't been on TV. Right. And honestly, uh, I even forgot that she was the leader because she has not been there. Yeah. She hasn't. I mean, obviously, Ember Moon is going to be on the women's team. But uh, I do you include Io Shirai? Normally, they don't throw in the women's freaking champion. Yeah. Normally. Now, the year that Shayna Baszler was in there, they did because Shayna Baszler had her little group. Right. It made sense. But uh, previously, they don't normally include the women's champion. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. But they next week, they really need to just like spend an entire segment working on the uh, face women's team. Oh, trust me. By the end of the night, if they're smart at all, and I believe they are. By the end of this coming Wednesday, we will know who the babyface team is. I sure hope so. They they have no choice. They yeah. have even yeah. if they gotta rush it, they gotta establish something. Yeah, something's gotta be established. So hopefully they do that. But yeah, they are not doing a good job building up Shotzi's team. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening: Timothy Thatcher versus Kushida. <laughs> um. Yeah. Now, of course, um, my grandmother still doesn't care about uh Timothy Thatcher. <laughs> Um, my grandmother still doesn't care about uh, his students watching, and uh, but I I will say um, when it comes to just a straight technical, like honestly, I hate that Beth Phoenix said this on commentary, but it's absolutely true. This really was like a wrestling clinic. These guys were so good at just like ground wrestling with each other, and. I absolutely love that eventually Ciampa comes down pretty much right in the beginning and through just uh, him standing up and throwing a chair is enough for Kushida to put uh, Thatcher in a lock and gets him to tap out. I I really don't think I would have booked it this way. Um, I, I'm going to be honest. I think it makes Timothy Thatcher look freaking terrible that he tapped out. I don't know if that's a story they're trying to go for, like his students aren't going to turn on him or something. You know what I mean? If that, if that, if that's what they're playing at here, but I really would have had Champa interrupt this match. I, I would, I would rather have had him interrupt it and get a DQ rather than him straight like tap out. I mean, I guess it's not clean, but it, it it's not clean, but it's still not right. It's for his not gimmick. good. No, for his gimmick, it doesn't work. No, this is a guy who's teaching submission moves. This is a guy who's teaching people how to inflate pain, how to tap out. So my belief system is, if you're an expert on submissions, if you're a true expert on submission moves, you know not only how to apply them, but how to counter them. Mm-hmm. Unless he's one of those teachers that only knows how to apply and not counter. And that gets exposed in the coming weeks, then that makes sense. Okay. But that's if they're going that route. If they're not going that route, then they just made a dumb mistake. Yeah. And they're pushing a guy who I'm still like, why? Yeah. Can someone please explain to me why? 
like, I get it. Kushida, he wrestles. He's Japanese. He's good in the ring. I get it. Other than that, he is not bringing anything to the table. No, he doesn't. Nothing. He, um, I, I do feel bad for Kushida because I think his injury, like, really put a, a hard stop on his push. Like, when he first got to NXT, it sucks, but that literally, there, there's, there's, there's nothing that can be done about an injury. But his basically, like, return and more aggressive character, like, his, his, his character change, uh, it's, it's rough. It's, it's not getting to over. Say the leaf. No, it's not getting over, and it's and they're putting him over at the expense of a lot of great talent. Like well, I, Timothy Thatcher ain't no, ain't no great talent. Vinny. Okay, well, okay, decent talent. Okay, I'll, can I'll, you say decent? Yeah, I'll give you that. Okay, but I, when I meant great talent, I also was referring to Velveteen Dream. But yeah, I know, I know. But yeah, I, I guess okay. I hear, I hear your point. <laughs> but anyway, uh, backstage, uh, Pete Dunn says what O'Reilly did to Finn Balor was impressive. If it was done in that match, Balor would have been out for two years. Tonight, they're going to break the Undisputed Era spirit. That's a, it was a fine promo to cut. Yeah. I like, and this is the thing, you don't hear Pete Dunne talk very often. No. But when you do, he makes a point. He does. I love and, that. And uh, he has one of those really good, uh, like, some British accents come off as, like, way too, like, proper. Uh, Pete Dunne's comes off as, like, that, like, street, like, street Brit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It. It sounds appropriate. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, after that, we cut to a special edition of The Kevin Owens Show. Owens says his guest tonight had the biggest night of his career a few weeks ago. Owens announces his guest, Leon Ruff. Ruff joins Owens in the ring. Owens says he was going to be on NXT tonight and wanted to give Ruff a chance to tell a story. Ruff says he wanted to be at every superstar his entire life. Ruff says he signed his contract seven weeks ago, and now he's a champion. Owens plays a video of when Ruff won the title. Ruff says that moment the belt slid off of him was embarrassing. Owens says the same thing happened to him when he won the NXT title. It happens all the time. Owens tells Ruff to be proud of what he did. Ruff says the title is a yes for every no he got on his way to NXT. Owens tells Ruff to be more assertive. If he doesn't show some fire, the people in the back see a weakness that he will take advantage of it. Ruff stands up and yells that he did it, that he did that, and he kicks his chair. Ruff says he beat Johnny Gargano twice. Owens frowns and says whenever you see someone's name, they always show up. Gargano power walks to the ring and says Ruff is a joke. Owens tries to give Gargano a chair. Gargano tosses it out of the ring. Owens grabs another chair. Gargano says he doesn't want it. Owens says it's not for Gargano. Gargano blames Damian Priest for losing to Ruff. Owens does another countdown. Priest eventually walks to the ring. Priest reiterates that Ruff beat Gargano twice. Gargano gets in Ruff's face and says if he gets a one-on-one match, he'll prove that Ruff is a joke. Gargano pushes Ruff. Priest says he never got a rematch for the title. Owens says it's a shame that NXT doesn't have someone like Teddy Long to make a triple threat match. Everyone in the ring looks at the stage and nothing happens. Eventually, Commissioner Regal walks out to the ring and books a North American Championship triple threat match for War Games. Regal starts to walk away, but turn around, turns around and says, Playa, as he smirks and walks away. All right. I don't know how you felt about this whole segment. I freaking loved it. I I friggin' loved that there was comedy involved because honestly Gargano and the whole Gargano Leon Ruff is 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 comedic. I think it was great comedic relief. Kevin Owens was fantastic in the ring here. He really was like sarcastically trying to play like coach to Leon Ruff. Like it this whole segment was hilarious. And I loved when Kevin Owens would be like, and three, two one and he would point 
It'd be like an awkward silence, and then a second or two later, Gargano's music would hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, the whole the whole bit, the whole segment, honestly was hilarious. And if you didn't know that this triple threat match was coming at War Games, like if you if you watched re- wrestling in any capacity, you had to know this match was coming because very clearly the the Leon Ruff experiment is a f- giant failure, and yeah. they need to they need to just um. Like, I feel bad because he's going to get a takeover match. Literally, what's going to happen when that match starts is Leon Ruff is going to get the absolute uh, crap just blasted out of him. And he's going to be dead outside of the ring. And then Johnny Gargano or Damian Priest is going to win the belt. I I really do think they're going to rectify their mistake. Yes, but you also take into account this. If they knock Damian Priest out of the ring for... I mean, sorry, Leon Ruff out of the ring and just have them slugging it the whole time, there's that possibility of Leon Ruff doing a sneak win. Yeah, that's true. The case. True. So I would say what they would probably do is at some point, you know, Lee, I, if they're going to do this, I definitely say this. Either Gargano or Priest, if they win this belt, they're pinning each other. Yeah. I don't see Leon Ruff being involved in the decision. No, me neither. And I see that as a way of, okay, this is not working, but we're not going to give up on this kid yet. Yeah. So let's get this belt off of him safely without him being pinned or submitted. And then we can figure out what to do with him later and then he'll live to get over another day yep. that way we can still work with these two and they can slug it out in a way so i don't know if this is a way to put the belt back on damian priest or they're gonna make argano a three-time north american champion if leon ruff wins i'm gonna be shocked as hell i'm not placing any more bets i'll tell you that right now nope <laughs> last time we did that did not go well for any of us nope um and if you don't believe me there's two youtube videos coming soon that will prove all of that <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, we got so yeah. So I, I definitely saw the triple threat match coming. Did not know if it was gonna happen at take at the war games or not. Yeah, I'm glad that it did though. Me too. And speaking of that, we're gonna move on to the next match of the evening. We've got Jake Atlas versus Cameron Grimes. Yeah, Cameron. Yeah, uh, Rhiannon, Rhiannon. Uh, I, I would have to say by far her favorite male wrestler in NXT. Um. She definitely uh, swoons uh, pretty hard for the new Pete Dunne because he really ripped right now. He he real cut. Um, Adam Cole, she obviously has a thing for. But uh, Cameron Grimes is just her favorite wrestler. Like, when Cameron Grimes' music hits, Rhiannon's like, hell yes! Like, she, <laughs> she loves to see this guy come down to the ring. And the thing is, like, and I know I'm talking a lot about it this episode, but the thing is, like, Every week, I don't get to sit down and watch NXT with her. She doesn't watch it every single week. Um, to uh, This week happened to be one of those weeks where she sat on the couch. She put her phone down. Now, granted, we, we all have issues with that. Just picking up our phone while something's on. I do it all the time. We're still paying attention to what's on, but you know what I mean? Like, you're on your phone. But I appreciated that, you know, both of us, phones away, watch NXT. And she legitimately gets excited for Cameron Grimes. And uh, this this was close to a, if you can call it that. Yeah. Wasn't a squash, but it was real close to a squash. Um, but I think the only reason we had the match was, of course, for what happened afterwards, Vinny. Yes, we were built, they were, of course, building the angle because Dexter Loomis shows up. Uh, of course, Gr- Loomis is carrying a bag. Loomis points at the Thunderdome screens and a cartoon mixed with footage of their last two matches plays. Then Loomis pulls a strap out of the back and throws it at Grimes. So we're now getting the impression that he wants to challenge him to a strap match. Mm-hmm. So 
Backstage, Grimes is trying to leave. Regal stops him. Regal says Loomis gave him a great idea and that we are going to see Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis in a strap match at War Games. Um, can I also tell you how much I love Cameron Grimes selling this? He, he's perfect. And all of the wrestling you've watched, indies, professional, AEW, all of it, I can just say that, like, I just love when he's on screen because whenever he's on screen, he's just so good and so damn professional at whatever he's doing. Yeah, I love him because he really makes you... He sells whatever gimmick he's given. And absolutely sells it like a true damn professional. Yeah, like he's supposed to be scared of Dexter Loomis and he's showing it. He looks at Regal like, how come you don't like me? Like, yeah. it was great. I thought it was great. And I can't remember what Regal said back to him because he kind of mumbled. Uh, but I remember just seeing that. And as soon as I saw a strap match, my first thought was, okay, they're going to do another strap match. Wasn't a fan the last time they did this. Uh, yeah. So I kind of, I'm basically going the strap match expecting it to be pinfall or submission, which is not, and I'm going to say this one more time, not what a strap match is meant to be. Yep. It's supposed to be a match where you incapacitate your opponent and touch all four corners in a row. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you touch the third one and the guy yanks you away, you got to start all over again. That was a great stipulation for that match, whether it was, and it's the same rule for a bull rope match, it's the same rule for a chain match, or whatever. It was a great gimmick, it was a great gimmick because what it allowed you to do was, it allowed somebody to get a victory without a pinfall, without a submission, without hurting the other guy. If you wanted somebody to win, and you wanted, but you didn't want the guy to lose whatever momentum they had, but they weren't going to win this match, that was the best way to do it. It was the best way to do it, one of the best ways. So now we know it's going to be that. But what I also loved about it was the fact that he said a strap match. I'm like, okay. And then I heard War Games. And At I went, War Games. Thank God. Yeah. If they had booked this for this coming Wednesday, I would be cussing up a storm Me right too. now. Me too. Because I am like, stop giving away good matches for free. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. You have a. I hate when people do that a week before or two. You have it when you're building to a pay per view. Like, obviously, takeovers don't come around often. So we're going to see big matches on TV time to time. But if you're on the cusp of a takeover, don't do that yeah. to yourself. So I'm glad they said strap match at War Games. I'm like, okay, good. They're, they're using their heads this time. Yeah. So now I want to see this. And then we cut to an in-ring segment with Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley says, Eo Shirai is one of the toughest people she has been in the ring with. Ripley says, everyone wants to know what's next for her. The hug at the end of the match was just about respect. Ripley is here and focused on the NXT Women's Championship. Great. LeRae and Storm interrupt. LeRae says Shirai only beat her because she had help. Shirai beat Ripley on her own. Uh, LeRae says Ripley is all talk. Gonzalez walks out on the stage carrying Shirai. LeRae says she's talk the talk and walks the walk. LeRae and company charge the ring. Ripley slides under the bottom rope and boots Gonzalez in the face. Ripley holds her on until Gonzalez hits the ring and drives into the corner. Everyone beats down Ripley. Um, I will have to say when Rhea Ripley came out and started to, and started to cut this promo, um, I was like, "All right, this is like a mega ultra like uh, John Cena level babyface promo here." Yeah, like all about respect, the hug. You know what I mean? Which, which is fine. It is. It's fine. But I have this perspective of Rhea Ripley that she's some kind of a badass. Like, a badass good girl. Uh, This was not a badass good girl promo. This was I lose every other week promo level right here. Yeah. Which, which, this is nothing against her. 
because she cut a promo. She cut the promo just fine. I didn't believe the word she was saying because it felt like, and this is terrible. It felt like a Raw or SmackDown promo. Yeah, which I think that's where she's going. I I think so too. And the thing is, it was like she go. I, but I do like what some people said. Like I think she mentioned it on Twitter, and she should have repeated the tweet because it was much better. What she said, like, because people thought, oh, she says, EO and I aren't friends. That was just respect. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I like that a lot better. Yeah. But so she, she, if she had just included that part, that would have made it a little bit better. But then she says, here, I'm focused on the women's championship. And we're like, you just lost yep. to the women's champion. Yep. Okay? You've had, your, you've had multiple shots, and you have failed. Like, this is literally... The, the run she is having right now is literally a I'm doing the honors on my way out kind of run. This is not a I'm getting the NXT Women's Championship back. You had the title. They robbed you of it at WrestleMania. You tried to get it back. You didn't. You had this great match with Io Shirai where we thought this was all going to come to an end. It didn't. Now you're stuck. That's basically it. Like It's like, we, it's like you've been there, done that. You're, there's, I mean, look. And again, I don't hate Rhea Ripley. No, she's great. At all. I, I think she's great. But I'm like, you've done it all. You've 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 hit the mountaintop. Unless you want to go to the UK, what's left for you? Nothing. Like literally, you're you here. You've been there, been there, done that, smoked it, humped it, called it an Uber. Go to Raw SmackDown. You are ready for the big leagues. Like you've you're you're staying in one spot where you've already been. And you've just lost to Eo Shirai. So I'm not going to have a hard time believing it. If anything, her staying in NXT, the only logical reason to think of to keep her in NXT right now is I think, especially since they just knocked out Io Shirai, I think, I think Shotzi's team just got formed. Me too. I think it's going to be Shotzi, Ember Moon, Io Shirai, and Rhea Ripley. That's going to be That's going to be the team. And uh, with all indication, that is what it's going to be. But, which is fine, because I believe that's going to be Rhea Ripley's... Um, that's going to be Rhea Ripley's final match in NXT. Probably. Um, I think she's going to take the pin. Uh, she'll probably take the pin against... who? Who's on the women's team that they really need to get over? Tony Storm, maybe? Maybe. Either, it'll probably be Tony or Candice. Tony or Candice. I don't like, see Dakota getting it. No. Raquel's like, definitely not getting it. Like that's, like, that's how the heels win the war games. They, they straight pin Rhea Ripley. Yeah. Because that is the favor that Shayna gave to her on the way out. Exactly. Because uh, she got riptided through a freaking table. Yeah. And then Rhea pinned her. So, yeah, and, I and, believe and, that's how she's going to go yeah. out. And then later she took the title from her and then she left. Yep. This difference is Rhea does not have a title to give up. Right. So this should be the perfect way to get her out of there. Yep. And also what I do want to say is I like the fact that cause I got nervous for a second watching this. When I saw Rhea Ripley boot uh, Gonzalez in the jaw and then get but then get attacked by everybody... I saw her put up a fight. I got really nervous that they were going to make Rhea Ripley take out that whole four team. I mean, she which, she held her own for a little bit. Yeah. But I felt like I almost fought for a second there. Like, are they really going to make her take out this entire team? Because if you do, you just killed the war games. Oh, you just you, you, um, you just completely just just took a crap all over it. Exactly. Rhea needs... Because if, if Rhea could beat all four of these girls by herself in that ring, why does she even need a team for the cage? Yeah, she doesn't. Exactly. So she needed to be beaten down in this. So the fact they eventually overpowered her was good. Yeah. But I, she put up a little bit of a fight, which I like now. At the time, I was not enjoying because I'm like, no, 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 no. She cannot be able to beat all four of these girls. This is not a time to make Rhea Ripley a monster because 
the, the, the heel team needs to look dominant right now so that on Wednesday, when we finally establish the babyface team, they can get the upper hand, make the heels retreat, and now we got our war games. Well, well that, and we have uh, we have the women's advantage match next week as well. Yeah. So I, I, I'm assuming have they decided who's going to be in that yet? No, because there's no there, because there, cause there, there's no face team yet. But, but I know they had Shotzi against whoever to do that, and they were going to decide the women's team later. I don't know. But anyway, uh, next we see a video of Zia Lee and Boa getting into the back of a van. Is shown both Boa and Lee look like hell. I could. I, they I mean could, they mean fake, but yeah. sure, whatever. I'm just saying, Zia Lee that did not look like oh, Zia Lee. Zia uh, Lee. Zia Lee did look like hell. Boa, it looked like really bad stage zombie makeup. Exactly. Uh, they pull up to a building in the middle of nowhere. The older gentleman from a few weeks ago is standing there. Lee and Boa both apologize to their master. The older gentleman walks them into the building. They kneel in front of a woman in the hood. They both plead and beg for forgiveness. Uh, first off, this whole promo, this whole like gimmick that they've got going has been really dumb and doesn't make any sense. Okay. I say that up until literally they reveal that the person who is cloaked in a hood, who is a female, all the way up until that is revealed, this has been really dumb. Right now, I'm intrigued. Like, I legitimately am intrigued about who the woman is under the hood because we know it's not Kairi Sane. Kairi Sane is Japanese. And I, she left She left WWE. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm not no, being no, serious. No no. no, no, no. I know you're being serious. I just want to see if somebody in creative was would, would have been dumb enough to put Kyrie Sane in there because they didn't know the difference. I would that would make me laugh so hard. I mean, I would be pissed uh, on the one hand, but at the same time, I'm like, I wanted to see if somebody was dumb enough to try and pitch that. Oh, just yeah, just put an Asian girl there. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, like, come on, dude. Anyway, but it's not going to be Kyrie Sane. She's not with WWE. Like I said, but obviously she's she's Japanese. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. But I don't know any other Chinese women. Uh, even in like, even in like, uh, WWE's past who could be there, but whoever it was looked like they looked younger. Now, granted, we literally got like a, a split second flash of like her eyes and you saw like through the hood, the female hand with, um, her, her, her fingernails painted. So we're assuming it's a female. I mean, it looks pretty much like a female. I have legitimately no idea who this could be. None. And I'll be honest, I don't know too many Chinese female wrestlers. Me neither. Uh, almost every Asian woman wrestler I've seen is Japanese. Yeah. I forgot that I didn't even know there were Chinese. I'll be honest, and I'm not trying to sound mean, I'm just yeah. being honest. I didn't even know there were Chinese wrestlers until I saw Xia and Boa. And I think that there was one other guy who was in the, he was in what, I think he was in the Cruiserweight Classic. I can't remember his name. Oh, I can't think of his name. I I know who you're talking about, but I don't I don't remember either. I don't remember either. It, if I remember, if I, I'm gonna Google it, I'll tell you guys next week. I'll figure it out. But I did. If I I know there's another guy's name. It was God. I, I can't remember. But anyway, we cut to a next match of the evening. I guess we can. Call, if we're, it's I, not no. It's we not, can't, we can't, we can't even, even call it that. that. No, Ever Rise versus. The, the Grizzled Young Veterans come out and kick the crap out of them. Basically. Uh, they reintroduce themselves to NXT. They're going to be the next tag team champions. So I'd be intrigued to see how that goes because technically um, Lorcan and Birch are the tag champs. So I'd be intrigued to see if maybe that's like the next team that McAfee and it, goes after. It's good to see after. them back because yeah. they're a fantastic tag team. That's all. It's good to exactly. see them back. So then, of course, we cut to the parking lot where Candice Ray says anyone who teams with Shotzi Blackheart is getting run over. 
Hartwell has on her neck brace on a neck brace. Larray says Gonzalez is going to get them the advantage when she beats Blackheart next week. So it is Shotzi mm. versus Raquel got it, Gonzalez. Got it, got okay. It. Gargano walks in and says he's going to win back his North American title as Gargano and company drive off. Hartwell's in the back seat, but someone is sitting next to her in a ghost face mask. Mm-mm. That would be Austin Theory. Ooh, you think that's the Yes! We're, we're, it, it's gonna culminate. This is gonna culminate to that's Austin Theory, because where's Austin Theory been? Nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. Uh, that is Austin Theory. Yeah, he quit. That's apparently. right. That's K-Fabe right. quit. But here's the big so here's the big question though. We were just talking about the triple threat match earlier. If it is Austin Theory, what if that Scream guy helps him win the triple threat match? Oh yeah, absolutely. And then they reveal it's Austin Theory. Yeah, because if, if the Scream, because if you need another ghost face mask, it's got to be a guy this time. Because why would there be two girls? That would make no sense. Nope. Because from what we saw, and it's got to be, it's got to be a guy. It's got to help Johnny. And then after he helps Johnny, take the mask off at War Games and show us who it is. Yep. And if you reveal to be Austin Theory, it's like, holy shit. Because there he is right there. Yep. And also, I will say on a side note, I like the Grizzle Young Veterans. Me too. And I'm glad to see uh, another tag team coming up in NXT. Me too. Because they were gone for a while. Yeah, they were. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening. The War Games Advantage match. A ladder match. Pete Dunne versus Kyle O'Reilly. So, this match... Uh, if if I had one word to describe this match, honestly, this match was brutal. Ooh. This, uh, if if anyone out there listening has not watched this episode of NXT or at least this match, um, I would say this match was seventy or eighty percent a takeover match. Like they they did not pull punches in this match. Like meaning, uh, I believe two ladders were bent in half. Uh, two ladders were bent in half and broken. There were um, there were multiple bumps taken by both parties, literally throwing them off a ladder, uh, suplexing them into the ladder. Just this match was brutal. Yeah, and just like you said earlier, n- without fail, uh, Adam Cole cut the promo. We've never lost the yeah because you've been a freaking heel the whole time. Well, what do you know? You're a baby face, and uh, tell us, Vinny, how did this match end? Well, it was interesting because um, Kyle O'Reilly it looked like at one point after he knocked Dunn off the off of the ladder, I'm sitting there going, "Crap, they're going to give this in the Undisputed Era," which I was not going to be happy about because the baby face should not have the one man advantage in a war games. It just it doesn't work. There's no form of psychology that you can pull. I would be impressed to find anyone who could where you got two baby faces against a heel and it works. I can only think of one way that works. If Pat McAfee's the first guy in, which is not going to work. Um, if it's him and then they're like, and he's like cowering in fear of the other two, I could see that. Because he's the only one I could see being like, whoa, whoa, don't hurt me. The rest of them aren't going to do that. Uh, really quickly, could you hypothetically, would you be okay with a mega ultra baby face if for some reason the faces won the advantage? They waited until the time ran out, and so then it would then be cut instead of instead of a two versus one. When they entered the ring, it was a two v two. Would you be okay with that kind of psychology, or would you just be like that? That that's freaking stupid. It. Uh, don't take this the wrong way. It would be stupid. That, that's fair. I, that's, that's what I'm saying. I, that's that's I'm saying I, that that is that is me looking at wrestling. Nothing personal. No, no. Yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. That would be because 
they're not going to sit outside the cage. No, I think it's stupid too. Yeah, exactly. I was just uh, you, okay. You said, you said like I, I don't see any way. Like in my head, that is the only other way you could do it. Like, like yeah, John Cena level. I'm a complete and utter goody goody. I won't take advantage of that advantage, so I am just gonna sit here and wait until you know, wait until it's their turn. It would be stupid. It wouldn't work, and everyone may, would make fun of it. But that is the only possible way I could see the face one man advantage. Exactly. I have no idea. And then they have so someone in a mask runs down to the ring, tips over the ladder. O'Reilly goes falling to the outside. Dunn climbs the ladder, pulls down the briefcase. So now they got the advantage match. Here's my only complaint. Why was there a masked man running to the ring? Are you honestly going to tell me we don't know who that masked man is? We don't know who it is, Vinny. We don't know who it is? We don't know who it is. I got Because I got a pretty good idea who it is. Pat, Pat McAfee is at his house in, in Indianapolis, Vinny. Really? Yeah. He, but he, I'm sorry. So he, can't, he couldn't get on his private jet, put on a mask, run down there? That's not. That's not. That's not what he said on his uh, on his uh, television show earlier in the day. What yeah. do you know, Vinny? Oh, exactly. I'm just like, look, man. I and here's the thing. You don't need the mask. I would love. I would have loved if it was Pat McAfee running down to that ring, pushing that ladder over, Come. seeing his face. Pete Dunne climbs up, grabs the briefcase. The undisputed is all pissed off, and Pat McAfee's doing these like dan- doing his like heel dance and showing yeah, off, right. and doing the whole flexing on the undisputed for the brand. Yeah, while the three of them are up there just seething with anger. Oh yeah, and then finally they they go to get they go to pick up Kyle O'Reilly while they're all over there celebrating on the ramp, and they're just like. And you just see the thing, like they cut to the camera of Adam Cole with an evil look on his face and Pat McAfee another evil look on his face and then just like, oh, I want to get you in the cage. That kind of feeling. That would have been so much better. You didn't need the masked guy. No. Just have Pat do it. And and I know, and the thing, Pat could easily have done that show and flown down there. Oh, yeah. He even said himself, he has a private jet. Here's the thing, even if he's kayfabing the private jet. He he is. WWE has a private jet. They They can go pick him up. Yeah. That's part of the reason that WWE's been able to fly to certain places and get away with certain things. They have a private jet. And the, and when you have a private jet, you don't have to worry about TSA. You ain't got to worry about, about whether or not your bag's made it on the plane. No, that's, that's your own damn jet. You just get on the jet and you fly. <laughs> he can do it. It's done. So I'm saying, even if he's kayfabing the private jet and he doesn't really have one, WWE, we know for sure, has a jet. And Vince is not in a hurry to get rid of that shit. Yeah, uh, Pete Dunne's been on it. Yeah. Yeah, so is uh, Matt Riddle. Yeah, they I, I mean, they were stowaways, but they were on the <laughs> private jet. That's right, they stowed away on the That's jet. right. That's oh right. Oh my god, I forgot about that. That's right. One of the few things Riddle did that I found entertaining. Yeah. I can't even pretend I didn't find that entertaining because it's on record I uh, found it entertaining. The swan. Oh god, the swan. The swan. Look. That was a good little tag team. All that I'm was. Saying. But anyway. That was. That anyway. was. So anyway, he pulls the briefcase down for the win. Uh, we now know the heels are getting the one-man advantage, as it should be. So this is going to be interesting. Now we got to find out. So now they got one more day to build this. So my question is, how do you how, how do you bring this home before board games? Um, I think this match, this match, you don't touch anymore. I think they leave this one alone. Maybe, maybe a talking segment, a, a talking segment, and that's it. Here's what I would do. Here's, and I like that segment. I'm gonna yeah. build, I, I like that. Is I'm gonna build yeah. it. What I do? You have a final face off between the two teams, but you have William Regal say if they touch each other, the match is off. 
Mm. But here's what you do. To make sure that Pat doesn't break that rule in case he's scared to go into war games, you, you, you put two stipulations. If this match, if you guys touch each other, two things happen. The match is off, and they're stripped of their titles. Because Pat may not want to be in that match, but he damn sure don't want his guys losing those belts. Yeah. So we get the the talking point. You get Pat McAfee speaking his mind. Adam Cole gets things off his chest. You hand a mic to Pete Dunne. You let him talk about the revenge he's getting. Roderick Strong maybe try to justify that. Oh, he can't. God, he can't. He can't. Him. He can't. And then, even if you... And I don't know about Fish and O'Reilly and the other two. Maybe. Just because of the Undisputed Era. But I'm saying... You have that final, just that final face-off to make it count. And like I said, these are Pat McAfee and Adam Cole, two best talkers in NXT. And Pat McAfee's already made it clear he does not use a script. Nope. He has said on record, I do not do scripted promos. I would not allow it. He said, if they handed me a script, I would not say it. I got to feel it. And you can tell he feels it when he's out there. Yeah. So this is that's what you do with that. Now the women, they gotta fight, jump, flip over. They gotta do a lot of shit. Yeah. Well, we we don't have a full women's team. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, they next week. To... Next week's gonna be a lot of women's team building. Yes. They need. There needs to be interference. There needs to be some fighting. There needs to be an establishment of this is my team and making that work. But the guys, they just gotta talk. That's all they gotta do. Yep. And. That, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this week's episode of NXT. And, of course, John, as always, man, I thank you so much for taking time in your busy schedule to join me here. I'm, I'm especially glad that you're here in the studio, man. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to say it without giving anything away. I had a blast taping earlier today. Um, I, I, that, that was an amazing experience. Cannot wait to talk about it. Uh, when the time is right, but uh, I look forward to having you back on next week, man, for more NXT. Oh, absolutely. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the only little hint I'm going to give you is, uh, of course, um, with giving nothing away, uh, Vinny did walk around in general public, uh, I would say about a good half an hour with no shirt on. Yes. <laughs> um, I know I know that that literally tells you literal nothing as to what he did today, and I want to keep it that way. Just know... Uh, I got to see Vinny just, just walk around little, little bit of ass crack hanging out. Cause you know, cause you know, his pants are up a little bit. Just, just walking around in public, no shirt on being Vinny. Yes. So, uh, now, now I didn't film any of that, uh, in retrospect, you know what I mean? Should have. But, uh, as you will see, there was a lot going on. <laughs> there was a, there was a, there was a lot going on today, and I did not have time to uh, make everything happen. But uh, but we handled the situation, and uh, I'm really excited for the audience to see, hear, and experience what you did today. Absolutely, and uh, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast here on SoundCloud. Go to SoundCloud.com/slash/Boochcast. B o o c h c a s t. Also. Like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We got archived episodes of the show as well as great additional content. My latest episode of Complain Time came out on Black Friday. You can check that out. Also, I got a special episode coming soon featuring my good friend, Mr. Jerry Truman, and the broke soulless ginger, Zach Scott, will be making an appearance in an upcoming episode of Complain Time. It's going to be excited. We're hoping it's going to go viral more on that coming soon. But of course, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, get the latest photos and videos. As you mentioned before, if you scroll down a little bit further, you can see that ass of Tony Storm and why we talk about it so much right there on the Instagram. Follow us there at the Boochcast. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're going to have the 
Survivor Series watch party. Got a little little bits of it up there very, very soon. Uh, we're going to have that up there also. We got the big surprise as well as we're going to be over the holidays. We're going to be doing some uh, Dark Side of the Ring talk. We got the WWE countdown. Many more coming soon to the YouTube channel. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash You can see the Survivor Series watch party in its entirety. The whole shebang yep. right there. You can check it out with us. We're there following along, checking out Survivor Series. Like I said, our next watch party will be the Royal Rumble in January. But we do have other Twitch content that we are planning on bringing you guys soon. We'll be talking more about that. In the coming weeks, like I said, we got a few shows left. Then we're taking our break. During our break, we're gonna get the other content. One ready. thing, uh, one thing that is gonna be on Twitch. We're not exactly sure how we're gonna uh, air it or film it, but I do know. Um, I've been, uh, I have been told by the AEW correspondent, Mr. Desmond Dagenhart, uh, that uh, I will be uh, the dungeon master of uh, the Boochcast D and D campaign. Yes, we. Uh, yes, I, we, I mentioned this before, Desmond. Uh, got me hooked on D and D. Good. I I and I and I was weird. And I know that I know that and I know that Rhiannon's played it in the past. I used to watch her and her Sonny and this guy uh, Marcello. I think his name is. Yep. He, they used to play D and D all the time. Yep. And I this weird shit they used to I'm, do. I'm uh I'm a uh I am it's crazy. Uh, I am a 20 year veteran of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I have a. Uh, I, I should have a pin, uh, yeah. but it's been 20 years for me. Awesome, man. That is great. So we're going to be doing a D&D campaign. We're slowly putting it together. I know uh, Desmond's working on his character. I've got two now, so I'll probably pick one. Uh, uh, you'll be making new ones. Don't worry. Oh, we're making new ones? Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Desmond's already made his new one. Uh, Desmond, uh, put it this way. If it's any if it's any indication, audience, uh, Desmond has sent me, um, I would say, uh, well, healthy two. Two Facebook messages in the entire time that I've known that man, okay? The other night, because he knows we're starting up the the Booch, uh, Boochcast uh, D&D campaign, I probably got like 17 messages from him on Facebook. He's that, he's that he's, obsessed. He's, he's real hyped about it. I'm, I'm really happy that you guys are hyped about it. Um, I'm excited and also scared for all of you because um, uh, I am not a stickler when it comes to most things in life. When it comes to Dungeons and Dragons, there's a book. There's a book for a reason. We follow the rules. So uh, <laughs> I hope you boys are ready uh, when you say, uh, hey, I want to hit him with a spell. I say, cool. What's the range on that spell? 30 feet. All right. Let me get out my, let me get out my hexes here. I'm sorry, Vinny. You're 40, you're 45 feet away. You, you don't have, you're not close enough for that. I really hope you boys are ready for that because that's how, <laughs> that's how I play D&D. Okay. The real uh, way. Well, uh, it'll definitely make for some interesting content. Yes, especially, it will. Uh, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it, man. So, yes, we will be doing the Twitch D&D campaign. So, if you're a fan of Dungeons & Dragons, you'll get to see us playing this game. And, like I said, you got some experienced people here. You got me, who's kind of new to the game, but I'm learning it. So, and, and like I said, I'm having fun with it, and I never thought I would. I, I never thought I would, but I'm enjoying it. So, be on the lookout for that. And, of course, support the show through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash theboochcast. We have great rewards for great patrons. For as little as $1 a month, literally, just one, $1 a month, you can help keep this show going. You can help us uh, keep the lights on, upgrade the equipment, bring in like guests, bring in big name guests. Also, it allows me to uh, take care of my guys and gals. So if you're loving John on the NXT and you're like, Vinny, he should be making money for this. I agree. That's how Patre Patreon's a way to help us out. So 
Make sure you guys take advantage of that. And if you got some extra spending cash, no pressure. But if you got some extra spending cash, you want to take advantage of some of the other rewards that we got up there. Make sure to feel free and check those out as well. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.